and welcome to Third Degree Burn. Here we are in the Halloween Scaretacular. <clears throat> my name is Brian Hughes, and I'm here with several of my good friends. We have Kurt Greenfield. Say hi, Kurt. Good morning. John Hyatt. Good evening. You guys got to get your time squared away. It, we're not that far apart. <laughs> David <Voodoo>. Thompson. <laughs> David Thompson. Hello. And last and least, well, least in opinion, Tim Elliott. Least. Uh, I'm going to take offense to that. Don't take offense to that. I had no idea. What Chain I link or what? Made it up as I was going <laughs> along. Okay. Careful, you're going to trigger me and I'm going to get off the show. It's, it's Halloween. <laughs> and, and we all say things we don't mean. And I'm rhyming like Etrigan. And I'm not going to do that again because I really don't know what rhymes with Etrigan. Let's get on again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, what we're doing today, Brian? And who's uh, I'll answer. I'll answer. I'll answer. <laughs> I got to wake up here. I, I, I'm, I'm going to wake up. So, hold on just one second. Did you, did you just ask yourself what we're doing? He just asked no. himself what he's doing. I yeah. said, what we're doing today, Brian, just like Pinky does. <laughs> and I'm always expecting someone to say, same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. But nobody ever does. Nobody picks that up. It's, it's, that's too much work. Why do I even try? It's take too much work because to take over the world. You didn't ask Brain. You asked Brian. Yeah. Wait till you hear the playback. <laughs> no, I said, what are we doing tonight, Brain? Okay. That's okay. All I, right. I admit, a lot of people call me Brain, so you know I, I should just not do that anymore. I'll shut up. <laughs> By we'll a lot keep of people, doing it. One. We'll get it one of these <laughs> days. Yeah, we're a real okay, professional show here. Well, uh, as as Brain suggested and or mentioned in the beginning of the show, this is uh, another in our series of our Scaretacular Halloween shows. So uh, John decided to cover uh, a Captain America, a couple Captain America books. Uh, that deal with uh, vampirism. So would you like to kind of give us a little more information about maybe why uh, you picked these books, John, or what they're about? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's not typically a Halloween horror film, but it was, or story, but it did come out for October, and it does include uh, vampires, and it's one of my favorite stories because uh, from Captain America, and of course it's during my favorite run, <laughs> but uh, I always liked it includes... Baron Blood, which is uh, uh, one of the villains from the Invader series, and I love the Invader series. So uh, this is a great thing, great story. It starts off as a mystery. You really kind of don't know where you are or what you're doing uh, or what's going on, and then it reveals itself to uh, to some really cool stuff. So uh, it's a great story. I like it. That's why I was like, oh, yeah, for Halloween, let's do this, because vampires, of course, and, <laughs> um, and it's a great uh, art, great artwork and uh, a, a nice revisit uh, or to uh, some favorite characters. And, and we've got America's ass. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> America's ass. <laughs> How did you guys read this, by the way? Because uh, I, I uh, got to crack open my Marvel Universe by John Byrne Omnibus. And it's about 60% uh, of the way through these two stories are in there. Well, who wants to go first? I just read the digital. I just have, and I don't know where. I think, I think Brian, you 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 gave me these digitals back when we were covering uh, Cap yeah. a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's I don't know where those come from, but it's just they're just individual issues. 
Those all came back in my days as a scurvy lad. Uh, <laughs> so Kirk is holding know, up it, his uh, yeah, Warren Remembrance. Yeah, yeah, the Warren Remembrance trade paperback um, that they started printing in like 1980. And um, I've got the 10th reprint that came out in 1990. And this is really nice, of course, because it reprints all the issues of it. And then it's got those unpublished pages from the later issue that uh, Byrne was going to do. Uh, though he and, and Roger Stern did uh, leave the book uh, due to a disagreement with the editorial staff. But I'm going to leave it at that this time since we already discussed that in great uh, length when we did uh, Captain America 255. Yep. So if you want to hear all that, you need to go back and listen to that episode. It's a lot of fun. You can find our coverage in episode four. And I read it from my War and Remembrance uh, edition as well because it was just easier it's a smaller book but i did look at my uh, marvel universe by john byrne thanks mm-hmm. david and uh com- just looked at the the beautiful uh reproduction in that uh it is stunning in that i I, I actually kind of take issue with that a little bit um looking between the three the warner <laughs> members trade paperback the digital copy that that tim and i both have and then the marvel universe by John Byrne Omnibus, I actually find the best reproduction to be in the War and Remembrance trade paperback. Because if nope. you look at if you look at some of the pages, you'll notice that some of the details are actually missing uh, in the 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 omnibus and the digital copy. The digital copy and the omnibus were done from the same um were were scanned from the same hmm. image as it appears. But as you look at it from the uh, copy and Warren Remembrance, you can see those details. I'm going to try to find a good example of, yeah. of what I'm talking about because I was just um, really surprised. I think uh, probably one of the best examples is there's a page where uh, Cap has um, is sitting there drinking uh, tea with Lady Crichton and uh, Lord Falsworth comes in. Mm-hmm. And as you look at that page uh, in the omnibus and you look at it ver- in the trade paperback, that uh, seems that some of the depth and shading are, are not quite as good in the omnibus. And even the, the I don't know if it's Zipatone or if it's the color dots on Lady Fallsworth's uh, coat disappear altogether. Mm. And so I just, I, and, and I had you know, similar um, complaints about uh, the way the champions was reproduced. Uh, and, but the, what's in the omnibus is much better than what's in all the trades and the digital copies. So, you know, the, the, the but I prefer Lord reading. Marvel giveth and Lord yeah. Marvel taketh away. Yeah. In, in cases like this, I actually prefer reading from the original comic book itself versus all these reproductions because they seem to be losing some of the detail or at least the, the, the way that the original printing was just gave it a much better, uh, a, I don't know if I want to say a darker feel or more potent feel. Um, but we seem to have lost something in the translation to the, the various digital well, unless you uh, had, copies. Well, but again, well, unless you had something opinion. to, that's just an opinion. To compare. I I, the, the copy I've got is nice and clean and the colors look nice. Yeah. So, but unless mm-hmm. like, it is very pure point, unless I had something to compare it to, to see the difference, I wouldn't know that this is necessarily a bad version. 
Yeah, again, I'm not going to say it's bad, but it does seem to have effect on certain things. The very page I was talking about where they're they're drinking tea, they've got several, uh, you know, shots where you see Steve Rogers in the face. And one of them, he looks okay, but the other one, it makes him look downright evil and his hair goes from flesh tone to, you know, the yellow for blonde. Um, and it's like something's not, not quite right with it, but it's not that way in the book. The book has it very even and his face looks friendly rather huh. than creepy. <laughs> and again, that's just my interpretation. Well, it's I could also, be wrong. Well, it's also interesting <laughs> well, no. that, uh, because, uh, Lady Farnsworth or Lady Crichton, whatever, cause they call her both. They call her Jacqueline Farnsworth and they call her Lady Crichton. Yeah. Uh, her hair looks blonde but when we covered the namor uh, episode or issues that kind of dealt with these same characters wasn't her hair kind of a platinum or a white well again you know it's supposed to be a few years later so she did age and 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 her hair is a it's like you know if someone had had darker hair it'd be salt and pepper and so here it's like blonde with gray highlights yeah that's what he's yeah that makes um... that yeah, so that makes sense. Like, but when fading. she gets rejuvenated in those issues, she still has the silver hair. It's kind of like a quicksilver, you know, kind of that that white. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was. Yeah, I think that well, was just a style choice that he made, just to set her aside yeah. from all the other blonde heroines. I just bring it up because you know, with with the these Captain America issues, obviously they've been reprinted a ton. I don't think these issues are particularly expensive, although maybe I, I didn't look them up. You know, you different experiences depending on, you know, how you've, uh, how you come to read these. And I hadn't read these and I, I completely, honestly, completely forgot them if I did read them. I was trying to rack my brain and when I looked at my Captain America collection, I have them. I just couldn't recall the story until about three quarters of the way through. But, you know, the omnibus to me was really nice. I like it in the oversized format. You know, you really mm -hmm. get a chance to look at the art, you know, where, Clearly, Byrne spent a lot of time, um, and others where he didn't. So it's in interesting to, say, to hear you say that the trade, you think, is a little better representation of what it looked like in the comic versus the omnibus, yeah. where it sounds like maybe they just kind of blew out the color too much. Well, I think part of it is the color, but part of it does a disservice, I think, to Rubenstein's inks, because it makes his, his lines look even thicker. But again, that's just my my. Well, if you're if they're sizing it up, it. if they're just if it's if it's a uh, an oversized scale, so they've sized it up. His his uh, ink lines might look just because it's a larger book might look a little thicker, and it may may maybe mm -hmm. just same as if, well, maybe maybe, I may be talking out my hat, but uh, yeah. It, well, you know, again, you know, we're, we're talking to inks by Joe Rubenstein and, and many people laud Joe Rubenstein as one of those inkers that made burn, you know, that, that was really, really good on burn, you know, second only to Terry Austin. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, the, the lot of pain. And to me, you know, Rubenstein's a great inker and he's he's kind of like the, the Eddie Van Halen of inkers. He's got his own brown sound in his in the way he does this stuff. The eyes are always the most apparent. Uh, demonstration that is Rubenstein that's done the inks, and that's again, that's just my opinion. Did we? There. Didn't we? Uh, uh, wasn't he at the at same con in Dallas a couple years ago when we met Shooter and Zach? Uh, wasn't he there? Because I picked up an, I picked yeah, up an, uh, I actually, an Iron Man that he had uh, inked. Yeah, I actually um, got to talk to him at length 
And um, we talked about this you know, particular series and, you know, Captain America 255, which, of course, was that that one that, that you know, made a big splash because it was reproduced from the pencils. And he swore me to secrecy on something that a fact that he gave me and I'd never been able to reveal it, but he has gone ahead and revealed it uh, in social media. So I can go ahead and talk about it now. Um, and that was in 255. Now, like, like we said, they reproduced those from the pencils, but not entirely. Um, you know, the pencils have to be number one, incredibly tight and incredibly defined in order for it to be picked up, to be reproduced. And it just wasn't the case with all this. It, still with that, there was a lot that had to be touched up. And Byrne didn't do it. Rubenstein's actually the one that came behind and did that. Um, so, you know, <gasps> yeah, so so uh, there was a, a, a bit of inking on there. Well, even the software wasn't. wasn't. I mean, they, the software now is pretty sophisticated where you can do a an auto trace. But even then, it unless your pencils, like you said, are pretty tight, you can do an illustrator and you can auto trace something it'll turn into a vector. Right. But, but I'm sure back this is in the 80s they didn't have quite that it wasn't quite as sophisticated so you could do uh, just a clean uh scan the right. Now, if I die anytime soon, that's because when we did this, uh he swore me to to the unbreakable vow. Art Adams came over and ran his pencil across our our clasped hands. So that uh, I would not break that. Rubenstein's guys are gonna come get you, man. <laughs> Listen, do you want to know a secret? Do you promise not to tell? <laughs> That's right. It is Halloween. Yeah, but again, you know, he. Re- re- <clears throat> Excuse me, that was bacon stuck in my throat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, but uh, that, but no, no, it was a really nice conversation. And Joe Rubenstein is a really, really cool guy uh, to talk with. And if you've been following him on social media, he's been um, inking uh, a good bit of the X Men elsewhere and and showing it there. So be sure to check it out. And you know, there's no 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 loss of skill there. In fact, I think he's gotten more skilled. Um, recently in what he's been doing. So he's I can really appreciate it. Yes, he's gotten gooder. <laughs> gooder. What the heck? How long did you live in Texas yeah. all your life? Yeah. Until now? Yeah. That explains it. Yeah. I mean, I've been here since I'm seven. And I still, it still hasn't taken me over yet. That was a, I think that. Get me drunk, though, and I, I start sounding like Matthew McConaughey. insult to Texas. No, nah, no. Nah, I love Texas. Hey, that's oh. our largest demographic. <laughs> we have like six listeners there. <laughs> Until I left. We had oh, I had to, had to represent Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Well, Frank Tanapa, right. he also left. And they both live in Las Vegas now. It's a conspiracy that's taken everybody away. I just, I just had to move closer to oh, John, uh, that's all. One other well, thing I wanted to... I, yeah. I did want to mention, um, and I posted it on Facebook... A uh, friend of the show and sometimes collaborator, Mike Carlisle, uh, has gotten uh, a nice little award recently, was recognized, and i got to go to my, my page to get this, uh, on the 20th, uh, 25th annual H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in CthulhuCon, 
Uh, Mike Carlisle won uh, best uh, micro story, best you know in nice. the Lovecraftian nice. style. Oh, great! And congratulations, if, Mike. If, if you go to my Facebook page, I'll, I'll go ahead and post this in Third Degree Burn. Uh, if you if you go and look at that in Facebook, uh, they actually do a reading of his story. Where was this? So pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, where was this? Was it in Mike. Dallas or Fort Worth? Uh, no, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure it was oh. out of state. Uh, okay. I think it was in Pennsylvania. I could be wrong though. Again, oh, okay. it, it was a virtual convention, from what I understand. So uh, it, it really doesn't matter where it, it was, was held. In, it was the internet's. Okay, well, I've shared that over to the group so you guys can see that um, and you know, watch the presentation. And uh, that was that was really nice. You know, of course, Mike has uh, been uh, on the show uh, a couple times. And uh, he uh, has also been lately a uh, dungeon master for uh, several of my friends and my wife and son, who uh, we, we've joined him playing Dungeons and Dragons every Wednesday night. Uh, just uh, you know, so I can expose them to that uh, that particular thing, and they really seem to be getting into it, really, really, really enjoying it. Fun. So uh, it's we'll it's a lot. We'll send them a survey after the show to yeah. see if they really are. Well, you know, and again, uh, our our shows did not have not come out as as often as we'd like recently, and part of that's uh, uh, you know, just personal things have gone on. My my wife's mother passed away. And um, last week, and it was a very, very nice escape that my wife was really looking forward to, to get with the friends and do that uh, on Wednesday night. And that that's gratifying to me because these were my friends, you know, the guys I, I went to college with and, and such growing up. And so that my wife is looking forward to doing that with them uh, really made me feel good. You know, just again, it was an escape for her. Well, nice. 2020 has been a, a year of trying to find outlets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No kidding. Just relax like, and like John Byrne comic books. Yeah, yes, and you know, like you know who else books. plays Dungeons and Dragons and even um, they they stream their sessions is Sofia Vergara and her husband Joe Manchinello. Really, you know who I'm talking about? The woman from Modern Family, the the mm -hmm. the, the modern day Charo, and um, Joe Manchinello. Wow, of course, he's uh, you know he played Flash Thompson in the first Spider Man movie and. Uh, Deathstroke in uh, the Justice League movie at the very end. And a werewolf what? in True Blood. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Alcide. Uh, Alcide. He, was, he, he could have been Superman. He was uh, tested when they were uh, they picked Brandon Routh and then, of course, he also tested when they went with Henry Cavill and he was always like they, right they there in the top They should have cast him as Bizarro. So, that would have been <laughs> oh, awesome. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but you know, maybe we'll get a Bizarro. Uh, we'll probably see a Bizarro in this new Superman Lois Lane series coming up. Hello? No. Hello? No. Did I kill well. everything? <laughs> they did so. put out a new, a new production image uh, just the other day, which is still, you know, uh, Superman and Lois Lane. We've already seen them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll see. So before before we get too deep, okay. Before we get too deep. Because yes. we usually leave this till the end of the show, and I'm going to throw it in 20 minutes in, at least to our discussion. Send us an email. We want to hear from you all out there in listener land about yeah. what you think of the books we're covering, whether you agree with us, disagree with us. Tell us how, or just tell us how you're reading John Byrne comics. Are you reading them in an omnibus or digital? 
and you can find that email on the podcast or it's gotta get burned at gmail.com g-o-t-t-a-g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com or as brian brought up we have a third degree burn facebook page and that's the number three as in third and then just the words degree burn so tell us give us some feedback we did get an email (gasps) we did get an email on the 22nd we got an email from Google, help strengthen the security of your Google account. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to do email at the last. That's yeah. good that Google's listening. the whole surprise. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of how people are reading and Brian um, bringing up your comments, I, I, I see them. But uh, I agree with uh, David that, man, reading this, uh, the oversize is so cool to have the, these books in it's it's really nice to see it just a little bit larger and i'm not as particular i guess about um, the finer things about um, some of those points you brought up i'm not saying they're invalid brian i'm just saying eh, they don't matter to me that in the between the trade paperback and the digital or the omnibus version i don't see the little dots used to make that it uh, i'm just happy to see nice clean copies again on paper that aren't brown with age or falling apart because they're so brittle or that I have to go through a, a box of comics to try to find, you know, a couple of floppy issues to pull, uh, to bring out to read. I get to just open the book and if I feel like reading on, it's it's easy for me. So I'm just glad they're reprinting them and having them. And, um, and actually, I kind of do like the way that this old trade, uh, the Warren Remembrance is, because it's mm-hmm. like... It's like the intermediary, uh, intermediary between floppy books that we have on that old newsprint pages and the new slick glossy pages because it is just it's not glossy it's a regular page we still have the dots and all of that so there's a little bit of that in there uh, not all at the time but it's a nice to me it's a nice and uh, intermediary and I think it's probably uh, I mean I would think it's not as expensive to produce them this way as on a glossy, but I think David could probably have more input on that. But I just, it's just great. It's a great book. So uh, I have it still. It's one of my favorites. I pull it out every couple of years and go through my cap stories because man, the whole, the whole run is just great. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I enjoy this entire run. Yeah. Do we want to get into this? Yeah, uh, shall we move on? You get you got right. some details for us. I have some details, uh, definitely, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this. It's great. Thanks. Oh, so, I, wait, I, I got to interrupt for one other thing. One other thing that just I, I forgot to mention. I wanted to mention. Forty years ago this week, part one of Days of Future Past hit the stores. Ooh, wow. Do you guys remember when you bought that? I mean, it, 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 I know I Tim didn't, 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 didn't buy that off the racks. He got it later. Yeah. But did you guys, did any of you buy, remember buying it uh, when it first came out? I got it in a brown wrapper if, as part of my subscription. <sighs> it was cool. When that when I when I pulled that brown paper off and it was like, whoa, what is happening here? <laughs> because... Um, it was such a such a twist from what we were having. Man, it was so cool. That was they were on fire, man. That that series was just. You're on excited fire. that the mailman yes. didn't fold it over and 
ram it into your mailbox. Uh, well, okay, so I was in a very small <laughs> phrasing. No, 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 I was in a very small. <laughs> I was in a very small town, so we had PO boxes. So uh, it did get kind of rolled up, and back then they weren't they weren't boarded like they are now. When they're mailed out now, they're they're in a. No, no, back then it was just it was just a sleeve a around board. it. That was it. It was just a sleeve around it. I mean, um, yeah. So most of the time, they never got folded. They were they were pretty fun, uh, just fine. But you know, uh, I wasn't I was I wasn't thinking that. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna sell this at some point and put my kids through college. I would always so expensive. I I had subscriptions <laughs> to like Spider Man and FF and Green Lantern for like a year because then you could get it twelve issues for like six bucks. But it always came about two yep. weeks after the newsstand, and I can never wait. So, so for most of those runs, I've got double issues because I couldn't wait till to get it in the mail. I'd go and buy it because <laughs> I was buying other books anyway. I'd go to the store and I'd buy that book, and then of course I'd get it later in the mail because yep. I just couldn't wait to read it. Yeah, and that it's, and they probably dropped them that way on purpose. They probably got it to the newsstand first, and then they. Or even if they did send them out at the same time from the post office, I mean, uh, those are magazines that are sent at periodical rates, so they go with yeah, all the that's periodicals a cheaper, and cheaper mailing rate. I think so. That's uh, it's, it's a cheaper mailing rate, so it usually takes a day longer or so than um, yeah. first class mail. And yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I, if if it was folded over, if I could find a replacement copy, that's fine. But most of the time I was in that small town and I was at the mercy of whatever showed up on the spinner rack. Fortunately, I worked at the store that had oh, the spinner rack. So I got first choice and and I generally got to check them in. So um, or I, I would ask the guy not to write on all because they used to write the date they received them on the cover. Because back then when it didn't sell, they ripped the cover off and sent the book or sent the covers back to get credit for the unsold copies. Uh, or they just sent the book back, but they always wrote the the number or the date on it like 10-3. It came up on 10-23, and they would write that on there so they knew when to take it off the stand rather than pay attention but to I, the – But I think if they're grading, if they're grading the comics, I think that's acceptable, that. isn't it? Because my giant size X-Men number one has that, and I don't think it really yes. dings it that much. Right. Well, because it was a common practice. Oh, okay. That's cool. But anyway, so, um, so yeah – Getting books and getting books in the series, like getting like one, two, three, four, five all the time, was not always assured that you were going to get the next issue. Yeah. Even in 1980. Yes, Cause I, definitely. Because I, I had such a hard time finding the um, the Phoenix Saga books, as, as we uh, talked about last year in the, in the whole Dark Phoenix uh, story. Yeah. Just, yeah, go ahead. Wow. Who was talking? <laughs> Killing Did I kill it again? Yeah. Well, why don't you no, tell no. us about uh, 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 253, John? So we yeah. are going to cover uh, Captain America 253 and 254. Captain America 253 is cover dated January 1981, on sale date October 14th, 1980, according to Mike's Amazing World. The cover artist is John Byrne. I don't see another name, so I imagine he penciled it as well or um inked it uh writer roger stern john byrne penciler john byrne inker joe rubenstein colorist uh, actually looking at the cover itself it says byrne rubenstein oh does it oh yeah okay 
There we go. Instant fact check, people. That's how we work here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, there it is. I have the cover here. I didn't see that. The uh, colorist, Bob Sharon or Sharon. Uh, letterer, Jim Novak. Editor, Jim Salakrup. And editor-in-chief, the infamous Jim Shooter. There is a list of all kinds of stuff going on. So the the title of the of the um, issue is "Should Old Acquaintance Be Forgot?" And here is the uh, synopsis: After finding a third slasher victim, an English village constable and doctor, Doctor Cromwell, inform local lady of the manor, Lady Crichton, who promises to use her influence to get Scotland Yard involved. However, doubting they can handle doubting they, Scotland Yard, can handle the situation, her elderly father prepares to contact someone who can. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back in Manhattan, Steve Rogers returns to his apartment with his new paramour, Bernie Rosenthal, to, air quotes, discuss the Broadway musical they just saw. But their liaison is interrupted by a phone call from Jarvis, who reads Steve a coded telegram prompting him to cut the date short uh, to Bernie's dismay. Mm-hmm. Traveling to England, Steve reunites with Lady Crichton, formerly his invader's teammate, Spitfire, and learns it was her father, Lord Fallsworth, a.k.a. World War I's Union Jack, who sent for him. Convinced the slasher is their old foe, Baron Blood, despite his remains being long interred in the Tower of London. Investigating, uh, Captain America discovers that it's a woman's skeleton that has been uh, uh, swapped out for Baron Blood's. He returns to the manor to inform Fallsworth of this. He meets Jackie's son, Ken, and his friend, Joey. That night, Baron Blood attacks Captain America. Dun, dun, dun. And we are left with an amazing cliffhanger. Scary. There Scary. we go. And that <laughs> last is, that's, a, that's a beautiful... I love yeah, the way he draws what, uh, uh, blood. Cannot wait till we get to that page. Now, so do we start wanna, with the cover. Well, yeah. do we want to do the synopsis of the next one to just finish out the story and then go over them both? Or do we want to... It's up to you guys. You want me to? All right, Governor. Uh, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> Cap- Captain America 254. I think all of the details are the same uh, from the creative team. Oh, a cover artist has Gaspar Sal- Saladino added. Um. Really? Really? Every, everything else is the same. So yeah, cover artist listed for this is Byrne, Rubenstein, and Sal, uh, Gaspar Saladino. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Mm. Well, this is from the Marvel Wiki page. Ah. So, uh, uh, the cover date is February 1981. On sale date November 11th, 1980. I was a mere 15 years old. Synopsis. Title of this issue is Blood on the Moors. Failing to slay Captain America, Baron Blood flees as dawn breaks, returning to the nearby village where he dons his disguise as Dr. Cromwell and meets his first patient of the day, a lovely last name, Jenny. As the day progresses, a hunt for blood, (laughs) Baron Blood that is, throughout the surrounding villages draws a blank. Of course, because you're searching for him during the day. Um... Ken and Joey take a break from the search at the pub where Ken's girlfriend Jenny works. But, or, yeah, but she faints while, ta- while talking to them and they find bite marks on her neck. Back in Brooklyn Heights, 
a little interlude. Bernie and Anna clean Steve's apartment. Uh, that's a little weird to me that he's given her the key already. Okay. Uh, Bernie takes a message that Steve lost an art assignment. Uh, Lord, Back to the England, Lord Fallsworth dresses as Union Jack, insists he will serve as bait to lure blood, but suffers a heart attack while arguing with Cap and his daughter, Jacqueline. They later call the family doctor, Dr. Cromwell, to check on Lord Fallsworth. When they leave, uh, when they leave Cromwell alone with Union Jack, Cromwell reveals himself um, to the Baron's surprise. Captain America joins the battle and is forced to decapitate the vampire at the end. Joey reveals himself as the new Union Jack, and the group later burns Baron, Baron Blood's body. During the funeral, Lord Fallsworth passes on. The end. Very good. That's, that, that last, the last page in this one yes. is nice, too. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, the story element in this whole book is really, I think, probably one of his best layouts. And I don't know. I just, I just think the whole thing really worked well as an overall <laughs> uh, story layout. And uh, just still kind of bringing it through. I mean, it was... The whole mystery aspect of it, I th I just think the whole, I think just think he really did a great job at laying out how this connects to each other all the way through. The only thing that I guess I would criticize about it is that little interlude in New York in the middle of 254. It really to me it just slows a like, little bit. Yeah, what? <laughs> it takes the whole. It's it just kind of yeah. jars the whole mood of the story. I think it would have that could have been. I, I don't even think it was needed. So, but. We can talk about that then. But anyway, so what did you all think about the the issue or the story overall? What were your impressions from if you read it before and then read it again? Different impressions or what's your thoughts? It's really meaty. This is a story that has a lot of detail to it. I really like this story. I think it's got a lot of detail to it. It's mixed in, so it gives you the history of the invaders. It gives you a little history of Cap. It gives you a history of what's come of the invaders. It uh, it seeds, seeds a couple of new characters and new heroes for down the road. And I think that subplot, that, that one page from New York, uh, you know, flashing back to uh, Bernie, that was a continuing subplot. And I think that was intended mm -hmm. to pay off in future issues. And it doesn't feel right because it doesn't, you know, get any other issues. It's true. I really like this one. Uh, I remember there was a, a good deal of controversy when this came out with the beheading, so to speak, on camera with Cap. There was a backlash that said, wait a minute, Cap doesn't kill. And other people saying, no, he was forced to. And other people saying, he's a soldier, he's been seeing death, and he has killed the war, too. But he's a vampire, he's already dead. Uh, there was a tempest in the teapot. Yeah, I, yep. I think the whole thing yeah. of him not killing is ridiculous because if he was in World War II, he had to have, you know, he saw a lot of death and he probably has killed. Yeah, he's a soldier. He's killed. He's a soldier. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of those things that, that the, the 80s and 90s just kind of ignored. And it wasn't really brought up until the Ultimates line came out. And then we, you know, they, they, they showed that cap killing. And then, of course, when we went to the movies, they're like, come on, it's yeah. World War II. He's fighting well, Nazis. The ultimate society, kill everybody killed everybody. There, was, <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of heroes in the yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, right. and a 
So. Yeah. Now the the one thing I the one thing I, I loved about this is that there's an old story that Frank uh, Frank Miller had told Byrne about the uh, about the beheading, and uh, you know basically he was up at the Marvel offices, and the day that the pencil pages arrived for this issue. And he found Joe Rubenstein, of course, as the anchor studying the particular page, and he had an expression of consternation displayed upon his face. And Miller's like, what's wrong, Joe? And Joe says, the last panel, John has drawn speed lines in the shadow. And Miller's like, so? He goes, shadows don't have speed lines. Whereupon Frank waved his hand rapidly back and forth in front of Rubenstein's face. Joe, nothing <laughs> has speed lines. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. So I'll take the contrarian view of this story. Uh, I th- not judging the art, just the story itself. I agree. I like the callback to the invaders. I like the interweaving of the history between the characters. I found the rest of it, and maybe it's from reading too many comics or you know watching too many shows. A lot of it was just felt like cliches to me, right? You know, you get introduced to this odd-looking doctor, so yeah, right away... Yeah, I got suspicious of him right away. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, who, this is not who he's... You know, whatever, whoever he is, he's not... That's not who he really is. Um, you've got uh, Cap, you know, evidently just walking the streets, fighting crime, as, as you do. And then he's... Jet, he hops on what appears to be the Concorde to try and keep it low-key. <laughs> You know, like, wait, you're going to fly commercial. You're not hopping on the Concorde. And, and, you know, Cap laments that, you know, almost drained all my savings to get on this supersonic Well, that, jet. that's why I thought he could have. I know he's trying to key locate. That's why he says he didn't take the Quinjet. But couldn't he have gone to Tony and said, hey, right. you know, I got um, this is on the down low. I got to get over to England. And Tony could have either paid for his ticket or put him on one of his sh- private planes or something. Right. Yeah, so I didn't like that. I didn't like the the tomb reveal, right? With you know, Cap going, "This is a woman's, you know, skeleton." You know, like, oh, so no, no one notices tomb being. That's always my thing with vampire movies, especially if the tomb is somewhere that's you know relatively secure and controlled. No one, you know, noticed someone coming in there to open it up at some point, and that's I'm sure how this poor woman got you know, tossed in there in his costume. The battles <clears throat> of which there's not too much. There's only, you know, a handful of pages where he's actually fighting. And to be honest, I hate Baron Blood's costume. I love I think it. It's so stupid. I know it. He looks he it's... looks dumb. Well how many vampires have how many vampires have you known? <laughs> well we got well we got Dracula You've got Morbius. It's, yeah, it's not. Right, in the it's Marvel not Morbius' costume, which is pretty cool. Um, but I don't know. Maybe the. It's dumb. It's dumb. I'm sorry. It's just dumb, and I'm I'm not going to waver on that one. I do. I did really like, uh, which all the vampire tropes are here, right? The garlic, the sunlight. Although he's, you know, the. The, the one interesting twist, right, is his callback to the Nazi experiments where they were trying to get him to be able to be out in the sunlight and not, you know, die. Um, so he, he does not have that particular weakness. His his strength wanes based on the time of day. 
But my favorite part in this whole book was actually two things. One, when Blood goes to bite Cap's neck, <laughs> he bites into his chainmail. <laughs> and he goes, oh, blah, 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 right, he's holding his mouth, you know, and curse your, you know, your your outfit, basically. <laughs> Which, you know, that that actually caught me off guard. Because I wasn't even thinking that. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was thinking he was at getting... all. Like, wait a minute, Captain America wears a chainmail <laughs> costume. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, how is he going to bite through chainmail? Yeah. And then I actually did really like the the last page, the you know the the decapitation because I mean he is undead and he has already shown a proclivity to continue to kill, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a conflicted vampire about like, oh, should I kill? Should I not kill? Oh, what was me? This eternal life is so damning. Um, I don't think and, Captain and it's really nice that it shows choice, Cap struggles with it. He doesn't do it just offhand. He he kind of considers what he's ha he has to do, and you can see that anguish yep. in his face, and then he, you know, like, well, you know, I, I've got to, you know, because it's earlier... Uh, I don't remember you know, who told him this, but he said the only way to, I think it was Farnsworth, the only way to, was the only yeah. way to, was to decapitate them and then burn their bodies and spread their ashes in separate places, which... Um, right. Yeah, Lord Falsworth told him. Let me ask you, as, as you guys read this, did you see Martin Landau as Lord Falsworth? I just <laughs> saw every old guy, you know, in a, in a movie that's, you know, chair-bound, right? Like, God damn it! Well, I saw Martin Landau as he was in Ed TV, uh, as Lord Fallsworth. There, of course, you know, doing with a British I accent. See that. And all, I did but, see uh, in the uh, Lady uh, Crichton's son, her her the guy they think might be uh, Joey, the guy who who's got a very impressive mullet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw uh, Sean Bean for some reason. You know, he's got the mutton chops, and it looks like Sean Bean, but yeah. Uh, I thought there was a kind of a nice parallel because I went back and kind of looked at the Invader story that, uh, or at least I read it, I don't actually have the issues, that this is kind of interlinking with. And they did kind of a parallel with, you know, when the first attack comes and, and Cap kind of basically accuses him, hey, you know, where were you? I think you may be his, you know, the, the vampire's uh, like uh, human minion. Yeah, and he basically, you know, uh, of course he attacks him and Cap puts him down, but... Then the the kid says no 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 you know he he's he's a friend of mine he's he's cool. They did this similar I guess in the uh, when when Baron Blood as he's disguised as his son or grandson is that right his son and son. he comes in and the same son. thing happens and he attacks somebody or gets attacked and then he says oh I didn't wake up you know I was I was sound asleep and you know he's unhurt I guess when Lady Farnsworth gets attacked. So it's kind of a parallel there that, you know, he's doing the same thing with um, uh, this kid that's going to become the new uh, the new Union Jack. But, yeah. yeah, and the last thing last thing I'll say is, and I peppered it in the beginning, you know, the doctor, right, of course, is not the doctor. It's Baron Blood masquerading as the doctor. Did you get you an know? idea that, that John Byrne was trying to figure out what he would look that's like? That's exactly what I thought. Person. You yes. have an old... <laughs> okay. an old <laughs> balding John Burr. This, this, this is how I'm going to look when I'm older. I, I don't know. Is it the glasses the and the beard? That oh, does he's got, a, he's got like yeah. a David Letterman gap in his teeth, too. So not to be not to be so harsh, but it felt a little Scooby-Doo-ish at times. 
Well, you know, when I was sitting there reading all this, you know, this time around um, and taking a really hard look at it, you know, the the, the number one the thing I realized is that this was a a, a huge love letter to Frank Robbins. Uh, and, and, you know, in much like his cap origin was a, a love letter to Kirby, this, you know, did that for the Invader series. Now, I'll admit my own um, stupidity in this and that up until a couple months ago, I, you know, until we did the Namor book um, where they, with, with the, the Invaders, I was under the impression all this stuff was, you That's know, from the 40s and 50s, you know, that, that, that. And and it was all Kirby stuff, but no, it turned out. Of course, all this uh, the invaders and Baron Blood uh, only came about in 1975, and so this is yeah. really only five or six years removed from those storylines. Just a couple and I, years. Yeah. Here, here's here's some invaders tidbits. So the original quote unquote team of the invaders uh, was introduced by Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema in 1969 in Avengers number 71. Uh, I think it might be like Marvel at that point. I don't remember that issue, so I do. I should, I, I've got I've got a reprint of it. I don't have the original, but yeah, uh, they, were they yeah. were they named the Invaders, or it was just kind of like an official? We're a team, and it's they they named them, and okay. uh, the Vision actually had to fight the Human Torch, uh, yeah. and Namor and all that, and he, he he basically beat them by you know solidifying as he went through them, you know doing that freak young to pass through you and slightly yeah. solidify who yeah but yeah that was part of that whole scorpio storyline yeah the invader series launched with giant size invaders number one in 1975 and then the series ran for 41 issues ending in 1979 frank robbins probably left around or uh, around um issue 29 30 something like that i don't remember for sure uh, Baron Blood was introduced as Baron Blood in number seven, Union Jack as Union Jack in number eight, and Spitfire as Spitfire in number 12. And they were all introduced probably around issue five or six when the invaders, the original uh, four invaders um, or five, popped over to England to do some work. So, uh, but F fight that dazzling <laughs> asbestos lady. I saw some of those. Yeah. Man. <laughs> now, the one I wanted to say was the face. Well, I'll tell you that, or or the blue bullet. Yeah, the yeah. Face. yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on blue bullet. There's <laughs> somebody. Uh, Roy, Roy Thomas was something Wait else. Wait a minute! Wait a minute, John. Aren't you the blue bullet? <laughs> oh, secret identity. I will shut up now. <laughs> Dang, I am so bad. See, someone needs to do an un unbreakable vow on me for this. Just, yeah. uh, well, obviously, not that's... great at naming villains, right? Warrior woman, <laughs> master man, asbestos <laughs> lady. lady. He did asbestos lady. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. So, but uh, the covers on on uh, uh, like Union Jack and Spitfire being introduced were really really cool. Well, Kirby did then. most of the covers to those oh, first issues, didn't great. he? Uh, I know he did eight uh, on the cover of he number did, eight. So I, was, the I was thumbing through those because I know Baron Blood comes back later in the uh, in the Invaders. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He did the first. He yeah. did then the first yeah. Baron Blood image because he oh. he was on the cover of seven. Yeah, yeah, and we should mention you know this is comic book, so uh, I think Kirk said it was a tempest in a teapot. Baron Blood comes <laughs> back, even though they've decapitated him and they burned You're him. Kidding. He comes back again. 
But is it um, John Fallsworth or was it someone else taking the on the same guy? Because he no, fights the Falcon, doesn't him. he? Or the Falcon when the Falcon oh, was guy. Cap. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, um, huh. did you guys hear about the Falcon Winter Soldier? That uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son, uh, Wyatt Russell, is going to be playing John Walker. Otherwise known, uh, no, no, the the U.S. agent or um, his super patriot. He even was Captain America for a while. And so uh, apparently in the storyline, John Walker will be tapped to be a new Captain America, even though Cap handed off the shield to to, uh, the Falcon. Interesting. Yep. So uh, Wyatt Russell, and yeah, I think he's probably a really good choice for that. I don't know if if you're familiar with him from anything he's done but he uh, oh, definitely has the pedigree was u.s agent the one that carried a gun no uh no he didn't uh john walker you know at first he started super patriot he uh, was one of those guys that got like his powers from dr carl malice i think uh you know for that that uh, super wrestling that that class 100 oh, wrestling that's, group. That's, man that's right and so he kept wanting yeah and he kept yeah and he kept wanting to challenge cap to show him that he was a better man, you know, because he was all enhanced and everything. Cap fought him to a complete standstill, but Cap was worn out by the time they were done. And the guy was still ready to go even further, but he just said, I don't want to, you know, I don't have time to fight you anymore. You should just let me take over. And then when Steve Rogers quit being Captain America and turned in his shield, they turned to John Walker and asked him to be Cap. And they made his buddy the the Bucky, but he changed uh, his name too because he knew how racist that was, or he discovered how racist that was. Well, if he's if he's if he's inherited his father's he hair, had, then it should be worth watching. Just, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. He's always been seen with long hair, so I'm sure they're gonna cut it short and give him that, that kind of a buzz. Kurt Russell's we'll got the best hair, and best beard out. of I'm, anybody in Hollywood. The best and delivery, the best pretty delivery. good. Oh, I mean. Uh, <laughs> You and for beards, you and McGregor is number two. I wish I could grow a beard like that. The beard that <laughs> Kurt Russell has in the thing, it's a thing of wonder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Beard Podcast. Welcome to Beard Talk. I'm hey, sorry, I really derailed me, us. Yeah, okay. well, I want to ask about story. the first yes. issue, the cover. <laughs> that looks like that was was not inked. It looks like it was scanned over uh, pencils. Mm-hmm. Or is it ink? But I mean, it it does. I know, say but Burn it, I, I don't really. I don't know how unless so, he, they put a treatment or something over it because it doesn't look like it's been inked. It looks almost like a charcoal sketch. Well, I think it's supposed to look like how right. you know. Yeah, it's you supposed to be walked into moody a, and atmospheric, right? And shit or yeah. something. Yeah, I like, like it. I just didn't. Yeah, it's it, it's it's yeah. I love the <laughs> tomb all, of blood. All this had a very Edgar Allan Poe kind of feel to it, and that front cover just gives a. Uh, a, a yeah, lot. It's to very that. gothic, that very hammer, page. you know, the Hammer Studios. Uh, I also yeah. want to ask about, which I thought was a a cool page. It's uh, uh, my pages aren't numbered. It's when Cap is in New York and he's you know beating up the guys that are robbing the liquor store, and you've got the one guy that's he's knocked him down with his shield and he's got his gun, and Cap just kind of walks up on him. So Cap doesn't have his shield, and he just basically tells the guy, "Well, he's it he's kind of doing that, but he's not." I thought it was just a great page showing this is Cap is. You know, Cap's not using violence. He's not beating that guy up. He's just yep. telling him, look, you don't, you know, you don't need to do this. Just give me the gun, you know. You know, uh, I'm, you know, basically, you know, 
how is he still yeah. conscious? Yeah, a character though, after, bet. After taking the, the shield well, to the yeah, chest. Should have that shield and probably embedded in his chest, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking, you know, because it, it, you know, it ricochets off like, what, three or four times and then well, it hits him? Hey, this, this is not any ordinary thug, and I don't know if you guys realize this. I discovered it on the page previously, because not any ordinary thug would coordinate that ski cap with that sweater. Because if you look him on the page before, he's wearing, <laughs> he a, is wearing perfectly a, he is wearing a purple <laughs> ski cap with that, with that purple sweater. Yeah, too. He's, I just, <laughs> he's going to supervillain you. And you have to color bad. coordinate, you know, and sometimes badly. But he's got green pants, purple. So hey, green and purple. You're gonna go out and hire yourself out as a goon. You want to make a good impression, you know. And if you've got, you know, going for like a, a, a <laughs> an audition, you, exactly. Dress for the job you want. And wait a second. Wait have. a second. Wait a second. Look at the previous panel when Cap is taking out his buddy with the shotgun. They're wearing the same thing. I think the colors got the got the guys mis, you know, mistaken. He didn't realize there were two different guys. Well, either that or these are these guys are uh, part of. Remember uh, Taskmaster? He had his little um, training yeah, facility. Maybe they were uh, part of that. I think the other guy's just wearing like a watch cap. Okay, here's just, your two. Just colored it purple. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's what I think happened. Like I said, I think the colors got you know was was mistaken there. He thought he was coloring the guy in the next next panel and so he made it purple yeah. not realizing and on the same it was page a that where cap's kind of talking the guy down there's no backgrounds and do you think Byrne did that to emphasize mm -hmm. what's going on this this dialogue between these two guys instead of having a lot of stuff yeah. cluttered behind him because i thought it was a pretty cool scene yeah i mean it kind of it, i think so because look at those three panels how he just basically mm -hmm. pulls back to show the and and in, in the middle panel, you can see he's drawn the face expressions differently. You can see he's thinking about it. He's like, um, yeah, maybe I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to finally take out Cap, considering I'm going <laughs> to shoot America's ass. Well, similar <laughs> to the scene uh, with Wolverine, when he's with the, at the Hellfire Club, and he's telling the guys, you know, I'm almost impossible to kill, and yep. you're only three meters away and that's nothing for Wolverine and the, the guys are basically just like, okay, I give up. It's, it's dirty, hairy moments. Well, you know, I mean, that's, that's what these are. They're, they are dirty, hairy moments. And I'm trying to remember when uh, sudden impact came out. Cause it seems more like the go ahead, make my day moment. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that actually came out after this a couple years after this. See, and, and this was, this was one of the, the scenes that I had an issue with, you know, where I said Byrne did a really good job in some spots and not so much in others. There's no backgrounds basically on any of these pages. Yeah, but I think and, what Tim was trying to make is the point is is that these didn't need that background because it was really trying to focus in on this guy and his reaction and finally his submittal to Cap, you know, Captain America there. So yeah, and, just, and it, I can it, see it, that it takes me out of it, you know, when. This is supposed to be, I think, a nighttime robbery. And... Is it? Is it nighttime? Well, it can't be too late. They're gonna get, they're going to a I show, so. so say it's seven, eight o'clock. You know, maybe it's um, it's late afternoon because it's it's nighttime in England, and we're just going oh, that's true. Maybe that's six why I time zones back. Yeah, which uh, so you know they're six hours earlier than whenever this was, maybe at eleven. So it might be late afternoon, five o'clock or so. 
You know what I like is um, if you go to the page where, where we see that transition from England to the U.S., and at the very bottom panel, Captain America's reflection in the cash register. I didn't notice that until last night yeah. when I was doing my read-through. Oh, I yeah. never noticed that before. Yeah. Cool. Uh, real quick, before we move on too, fur- too much further, uh, since we kind of jumped ahead, the first couple of pages. Now, if if someone picked this book up and didn't know the story, so back then, of course, when I first pulled it out of a or pulled it off the rack, and didn't flip ahead to see what was going on, if you just sequentially read it, uh, they did their best to not give away what the story was or who was here lady crichton we didn't know lady crichton at the time we knew jacqueline fallsworth mm-hmm. but not lady crichton the manor he doesn't list it as fallsworth manor which is what it's called so all we know is england some random manor house the lady uh, we had no idea unless again you cheated and went back and looked that this was going to be any way connected to the invaders i know and i like the fact that they keep lord farswell like in shadow but you wouldn't have recognized him if you'd seen his face. It's not like you would go, "Oh, that's Union Jack." <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, no, yeah. You, no, I'm talking about these first two pages leading into right, the story. Right, there's yeah. no way you don't see Falls' face. Yeah, uh, the, the establishing a, shot, a, so to speak. Yeah, he's just a guy in a wheelchair. Uh, so, yeah, there was no clues as to um, who we were going to be getting. So it was a nice. I thought it was kind of nice lead into that mystery aspect of it and uh, and then we go back here and then yeah Bernie of course was introduced earlier in the run uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that you know the, the... she's obviously trying to make a move on Steve yeah uh, she's coming on pretty strong if you read the 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 uh, word balloons it's leading someplace that's about as far as I've ever seen a Marvel comic take that well <laughs> listen I'm of reflections on the next page when Cap is on the Concord. Mm-hmm. Reflection in the window next to the window seat. Yeah. I was wondering if there was something significant there in terms of the heavy shading and who they were showing because I didn't know if they were trying to imply that uh, there was somebody in the seat next to him that I didn't know. If they, it's not true. There, There is no mystery about it. No. I was, no. At first I was at the time you could wonder yeah. I wasn't sure if Cap's reflection was accurate either, but I love the use of that zip tone in mm-hmm. that, if that's what that is. I think it works really well. Well, zip tone above it, too, when you see the, end, the, the, the contrails of the Concord. She's, on <clears throat> the previous page, she's kind of a jerk to him when he says he has to go, which, understandably. She's reacting like a, she's reacting like a woman of, of the day, and that Ooh. was, yeah. Ooh, ooh. I'm going to leave that one alone. No, that's uh, all right, Steve. <laughs> An old boyfriend of mine is doing town right. this weekend. I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. The, the way I, I read that, it was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to F him while you're gone. What do you think of that? Right. Well, she's trying to mm-hmm. she's trying to hook Steve. She's, she's expressing <laughs> I mean, her interest. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny she says that, and then he's like, okay, have fun. Look, you know, the thing is, a man has a hard time reading signals, but... The fact that she is sitting there putting her hands on him when he is wearing a bright purple sweater like that, it should tell him something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that he shops at the Masters of the Universe store. Yes. Place Prince Adam shops. Well, but it's funny. She she later says when she's talking to the house cleaner when they're cleaning his house that who's who's not being subtle at all about, hey, you guys got to get together. 
she says, oh, Steve's just, there's nothing serious between us. But she seems here, to your point, where she makes the mention about the boyfriend. She's trying to stir a little jealousy there. And uh, then it kind of immediately regrets it right. as soon as he's gone. She's like, why did I say yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of it, yeah, because he didn't react like a normal, a normal guy. You know, he's like, huh? <laughs> oh, I mean, she's sitting there putting the moves on him. She's getting close in. He gets a phone call. And, oh, leaving. And yeah, that's definitely, you know, got to gotta hurt her little self-esteem a bit. Whatever happens to her anyway. Does anybody know what happens to Bernie in the... Well, in the she, she, she figures out that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Um, and they were a couple for a while. Um, when Mark Grunewald was doing the book, he split them up and tried to get Cap with Diamond back. Right. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I lost interest in, in Grunewald's run as, right. uh, as, it, as, it, as it went on because he, when, when he did the whole, you know, Cap's super soldier serum is a drug when it's not a drug, it's a serum, which, you know, that realigns DNA. Um, you know, like like a vaccine. I, he just, you know, said, "Yeah, Cap, you're you're getting the way you are off of super steroids." I don't know if you want to call it that, but uh, it, you know, it 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 just changed the way a lot of a lot of people felt about the Cap books, and a lot of us just turned and walked away. Right. So Bernie basically is swept aside, right? Uh, uh, yeah. D- during that story storyline, yeah. Uh, it was uh, right around the Scourge storyline, I believe, is when all that was happening. Okay. I just wondered because, you know, Stern did such a good job of making them potential couple, and I don't remember the payoff, though. Yeah, I think the last, uh, again, we saw Byrne draw her and Cap again in Alpha Flight, uh, issue 11, I think that was. Is that right, Tim? Uh, oh, gosh. I, I, uh, was it? That's the invader. Because it was like the issue before Mac got killed, or one of the issues before Mac got killed. But uh, I have to oh, I think that was, that was the whole Sasquatch storyline. That story uh, 10, that we yeah, were in. that's what we covered. 10, 10, okay. Yeah, there we go. Anyway. Anyway, then we get a great flashback to the invaders. And uh, man, that was a great, great panel. I wish, only wish it was bigger. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I didn't know. I, I don't know anything about a lot of these villains. The face, Agent Access, Asbestos Lady, which is now my personal favorite. <laughs> the Scarlet. She's going to have a new ongoing five issue miniseries over. Hey. Yeah. And Come we on, saw when you, when you guys Man... look at Baron Zemo, uh, <laughs> same thing. Oh, I always get Baron Zemo mixed up with that guy that mumbles on uh, Fat Albert cartoons. <laughs> But I don't. I can't mention it much more because it's not politically correct. Thank you, Bill Cosby. I appreciate that. <sighs> yeah, no, it's We're a great... just going all over. Today. I was gonna say it's a great recap panel, and man, it would be an awesome poster. I would love to have this poster, <laughs> just because it's got such a great. Um... Well, you know, Byrne got to do a lot of these around this time. You know, he just finished uh, X Men One Thirty Eight. Which of course was the 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 post Dark Phoenix saga history of mm-hmm. the X Men, and so you know he was copying a lot of the stuff that Kirby, Werner Roth, and uh, and uh, even Neil Adams had done, and and so he was doing basically swipes from all those pages. This I'm assuming is is swipes from the Frank Robbins uh, work here. 
I, I just have to assume that. Assembling all those characters in yeah. one, one picture. But I, I wasn't familiar with any of these people. I totally had skipped the invaders, didn't know anything about them, um, except that the book was coming out. Never read a single issue. So when they show up in Namor, that was very enjoyable. When they show up here in terms of flashback, I appreciated filling in all the details or, or at least the relationships. Cause I, I was well, it makes you want to, because it did to me. It makes me want to, I want to dig up those, the invaders and I want to read those issues now. I want to, I want to read that run. Yeah, I did go back and I found the first appearance of Agent Axis. Uh, you'll never believe where it is. It's kind of interesting, but it has nothing to do with this story. So I'll save that for another day. They well, they oh, well, they, I will say this: they all look That's like thirties so uh, and forties serial villains. You know, the Scarlet Scarab. Uh, you yeah. Know, especially the Blue Bullet, <laughs> as Vessus Lady, pretty, pretty, pretty wonderful too. But um, I, I think that's what Roy was kind of doing was kind of keeping it in that period-esque style um i mean i'm an advocate for the invaders i love the series i enjoy reading it again and again and it's just a lot of nice connection for me so i have a lot of joy with it um yeah they're hokey looking at them as a 45 plus um, including all of us in the group but i'm 55 if you look at it now with our eyes like uh, yeah, that's hokey and stuff but man, when I first started reading, when I was reading them, I was having, they were just a lot of fun. Have we probably covered this? And have they collected the invaders? Is it, is it a trade or a... I, I hope they have because the, it's the actual books are, are can get, I mean, they're not too pricey, but $50 for the first issue, $20 mm-hmm. for the second issue, just because you've got first yeah. appearances of certain characters in there. They are collected. There's a series called Invaders Classics. There's four volumes. It collects all of the series except for one, which was a reprint. And then they are collected as an omnibus, I believe. Right, David? Isn't there? Not? There's an omnibus version of the Invaders, I think. I'm looking it up now. I I thought they did an oversized like hardcover, but I need to. It, it might be a two-volume omnibus, but they did recollect them. Uh, but they did the original series as four trades, and then they included the. 2000 four-part Invaders series that came out, I think, to fill up pages because they didn't have enough. But, um, yeah. So if you can find those Invaders classics, and they may be on Comixology. I'm 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 sure you can pick up the the trades cheap. This would make a wonderful, if you wanted to bring Evans back as Cap, do do an Invaders film. It's period. It's in the 40s. You could have these goofy villains. He could play Cap again. You know, and it could tie into the Marvel Universe. You could have some really cool stuff going on. I was really hoping in the original Captain America film that uh, they were going to make some sort of even an Easter egg reference to the invaders. They did. Lord Fallsworth, he was one of the... No, but I mean the the team itself, not just random characters. But I mean, it would have been cool if they could have like shown him maybe running with Union Jack or Spitfire if they didn't want to bring in Mariner or Human Torch or anything like that. But, you know, instead they went with the Howling Commandos. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it was fun. Because, of course, we got to see the, the Human Torch android mock-up yeah. at the, the fair. Yeah, that was he cool. and Bucky were there. And then, of course, like I said, Lord Fallsworth was one of the Howling Commandos. Um, I don't know that there was any other uh, tie-ins there. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you could always say Natalie Dormier was uh, Lady Fallsworth when she uh, was. Wasn't she the one that kissed Steve in front of uh, Peggy Carter? <laughs> I don't remember now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, again, once again, anyway, I now we're I back did, in England. Yeah, what I did want to point out, you know, the page where he removes the stake from that fake uh, barren blood. The panel below it, where where he's standing there and they're, they're talking with, I guess, the coroner, Cap Shield, the way that they do the shadow with the zipatone and everything, is to me just one of those images I can't stop looking at. How how well done that was, and of course America's <laughs> ass is right under it. So <laughs> <laughs> we're never gonna let that go, are we? No, <laughs> we're not. Yeah. <laughs> So reveals that uh, Baron Blood is indeed. Now, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if we made it clear. Baron, Baron Blood is actually um, Lord Fallsworth's brother. Dun, dun, dun. If you didn't know, that's his brother. Was that established back in the original series or is that yes. an add-on? No, no, that was established in the original series. Uh, he bit uh, Jacqueline and that's and uh, initially and... That's why she had to have the blood transfusion from the Human Torch to save her life. And then that mix of the bite and his blood is what gave her the super speed. So Baron Blood is her uncle. Well, that's what the, the kid says later when he's telling his friend about, or his girlfriend. He's like, well, the worst part is he's my great uncle. You know, he's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's one twisted family. Like yeah. every family isn't twisted. <laughs> and uh, Lord Fallsworth, how he got injured was uh, he came out of retirement World War II as Union Jack, which is where we saw him in issue eight. And then in the battle with Baron Blood, his, his spine was damaged and he was paralyzed. Ouch. So that's a little bit back there. So after we uh, <clears throat> we have all of that confrontation with or uh, the introduction with Cap, <laughs> uh that's an impressive library Lord Fallsworth has there. Yes. Wow. And then we get the, the reveal. Here's Baron Blood. <laughs> I, st I know I know David doesn't like it, but I kind of dig the costume. It, it's kind of designed for shock value. It's for down for, yeah for shock value with the big ears. <laughs> Scooby Dooby Doo. There are where different are aspects of it. Now the the one where the the scene where they show him on you know hanging off the rooftop. And then going down, and they get that upside-down image that looks like a Gene Colan rip, which I think is just beautiful, gorgeous, especially the way the teeth show. Oh, uh, the, the last panel on that page, yeah, that does no, look like the the fourth panel where he's upside that's down, bottom left. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where he's upside down, and like I said, it looks very Gene Colan-ish, which is cool because Gene Colan takes over the book after uh, Burn leaves, or at least he does the first issue after. Oh wait, that was that was actually a flashback World War II story because oh. there's Bucky. Well, him walking down the the side of the building is kind of a uh, I think a callback to Dracula because that's how in the book, Stroker's Dracula. The the Franklin Jello, you know the Franklin Jello movie. Right, just but I'm sorry out. in the book, but in the book he when talks he put out, right. Maybe that's why they did the this book, story he talks because about of that. How Dracula was would descend down the uh, when Harker first sees him that first night he did kind of just. And you see it in uh, Coppola's movie. You also see it in uh, the the woman with in it. But that's I think that's a callback from uh, the original novel. 
Yeah, because well, the the in the Coppola one, it was so. I'm trying to think of the you know it was a smooth thing, whereas in the Langella, as Dracula is coming down, it's it's almost like he's climbing up. He looks like Bruce Willis in the in the Air Vent Die Hard. You know, he's trying to scooch his way down. But it was creepy to me as a kid seeing that. I've seen many strange things already. Just, oh yeah. Any anytime you see something like that in a vampire movie, it's just like, Ugh. yeah. I, I do. I do find it hilarious in another Scooby Doo moment, right, where he's like, <laughs> he's right over top of Cap, and we had the shot right where he's coming in, and it's just Baron Blood Shadow is casting over Cap, and you the next page, it's like, "Ah, you <laughs> fool! I'm not sleeping!" and whack, right, hits him with the <laughs> the shield. If you go back to the previous page, where is he hiding that shield in the bed? Because that thing's huge. The shield and his hand both have to be over the side, but he's too close right. into the center based on that. Right. That establishing shot. How does Baron Blood not know? He's like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe Captain. Maybe he thought he was hugging a pillow. Uh, I don't know. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> those aren't pillows. Well, how long does Cap have to lay there? Yeah, exactly. Like, and not sleep. He's like, oh, okay, hurry up, you know, or he's just going through tactics. Yeah, you ever right. tried sleeping in chainmail? It's not going to be easy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Is like there's way too many tip-offs, right? That like something, you know, just again, Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> and then we get a pretty. Then we then we move right into the to the fight scene. Uh, all of the vampire stuff comes out: garlic, mist, rats. <laughs> <laughs> yep, all the tropes. Uh, hypnotism. It hypnotizes what? Uh, nobody yeah, brings yeah. out a cross, though, do they? No, What's nobody that? brings out a cross. No, no cross. No cross. You know, Cap, um, Cap needs some of those lenses. <laughs> I'm trying to recall if um, a cross affects this vampire or not. I'm thinking not, but... It does. Does it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't Religi remember. Religious items are one of his weaknesses. Religious mm -hmm. symbols. So a star you David would do the same thing? thing? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes if you're Jewish so yeah and then we go on and we get that final page that impressive man <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what in the omnibus oversized uh, this is really outstanding I mean it's great here in the Warren Remembrance trade but man this is a beautiful page and I, I wish you'd draw him a little more lanky a little more more kind of decimated but he's long and skinny He's got these talon-like fingers, and he's got this... I mean, I guess he can somehow hide that nose. He's got this bat-like nose that when he becomes normal, when he's not in his werewolf mode, or, uh, excuse me, vampire mode, he can hide, he can disguise that pug-like nose he's got. Notice his teeth. See the teeth on the, the vampire? Canines? Mm -hmm. I assume they're canines. Go back to the, the page where uh, Cap pulls the stake out of what turns out to be the woman's body. There's a close-up in the third panel on that page of the jawline. There are no canine teeth oh, in there. That's the clue. I that's the biggest they, clue right there. Made. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I thought that they were going to emphasize that. But when I read this initially and saw Cap pull the stake, I was alarmed, too, because I immediately thought he was going to reconstitute. I was like, yes yeah. you know that's like 
Vampire 101. Right. So surprised when he did that. It was like, oh, no, here we go. And then I started looking at the teeth, and, and they unveiled that it's a, a woman. And I, I like this jigsaw puzzle. I really like how they laid out all the pieces. And Yeah, it may have been a trope, but I, I still wonder, what happened with the rats? Where were they building to? <laughs> I do I do like that panel, though. It looks very menacing, especially mm-hmm. the one up close to us with the red eye. <laughs> Give you rabies. Yeah. So that ends that issue, and uh, go on to uh, the next one. What do you guys think of the cover of that? Not as moody as the, no. the cover to the first one, but still very dramatic. It is, but I don't like the green background. I think the, the it's not nearly as, yeah. as dynamic as the, as the previous one. And I got a question about uh, Union Jack in the back, the you know the withered old man. Does his is his uh, wheelchair have a Union Jack, or is that a reflection? What is that in the back of his wheelchair? That X, is that it? Like He's got pillow, a little Union little Jack pillow. pillow. You know, back pillow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I get that pillow, but you. I don't know if it was it was it was a costume coordinated. Well, I was Union Jack. I have all the Union Jack collectibles. <laughs> right. Yeah. The plush action figures. The Funko Pops <laughs> playset. Yeah, <laughs> the throw pillows. Yeah, but you, you also have Union Jack and Jill. You know, so the you girls can play along. Jack, Jeff, yeah. Union That's Jill. Right. <laughs> As I'm looking at the first page of uh, the uh, the second chapter here, uh, there's a couple things that, that stand out. Now the um, the trade paperback is actually miscolored Cap's ear, so it's blue. Whereas the uh, the digital copy and the omnibus are, are you know are done right, and, and the, the uh, trade paperback also remo- removes the credits huh. uh, from the bottom. Mm-hmm. Rude. And then uh, again, there's a special thanks there to Colin Campbell for his kind assistance. Who's Colin Campbell, and what did he do? Does anybody know? Zipatone expert. <laughs> Maybe he's a vampire expert. I do have a my digital yeah, in the very in the right across uh, from the splash and that where you see a close up of I've got a little, gonna ask is a little square. I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Yep, the little black yeah. square. It's oh, in it's in the just... omnibus too. It's in Cap's cheek. The next page top, yep. It's his left jawline, jawbone. It's coming straight down. It's at the bottom where Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see birds that. Birds give them a little the, cheek indentation. The, the yeah. digital copy. But if Probably I look they, on the... Uh, I don't know what that is. Out. I don't know. It's, a, it's like I interpreted something wrong or somebody just left their... Uh... Yeah. And and that's not, not in, the, in the trade. The trade is... And Farnsworth looks a little different. You see him in the background on the splash. He looks more like uh, the Crypt Keeper. He doesn't... <laughs> He doesn't quite look the way he's been drawing him. <laughs> maybe well, maybe that's it. <laughs> What's going on? That's, that's what it is. His teeth are in a glass at the side and of the it, table. And his you Union Jack right, uh, branded yeah. glass. <laughs> Tumblr. <laughs> Tumblr. Where's his Union Jack bed sheets and curtains? <laughs> It's <laughs> underoos. Did anybody else suspect Lord Farnsworth of being the vampire? 
prior no. to them being shown in the same room? No, I didn't. I, no. I, I never did simply because it just it, it, he seemed too genuine in his, uh, you know, need for the only one I suspected right away was to David's point was the doctor. Uh, there, there was something going on with him right away. Yep. <laughs> and, and in this case, he pulls his own mask off instead of Scooby Doo and the guru doing it. He pulls his own mask off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was going to say that instead of saying that's you, right. Was it for you pesky kids? And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. And then my favorite get the... part. Yep, my favorite part is on the next page. The yep. I'm crunk. Like crunk. 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 I love that. Well, and to be fair, Cap just smashed his face in with a shield, and it doesn't seem to bother him. But he bites on chainmail, and suddenly he's like, you know, he's he's like, well, your teeth, well, your teeth are a lot more vampire sensitive. teeth should be strong." Okay. Tim, imagine, imagine you're about to eat a Kit Kat bar, and you haven't unwrapped it from the tin <laughs> foil. Is that, is that it? That's what ah. you get. It doesn't matter how painful it is. It still bothers you in a big way. I imagine you feel like you know, when you oil. bite your fork by mistake, that feeling. Oh, and, oh. And, and imagine the tinfoil in the Kit Kat scenario is interlinked <laughs> pieces of iron or steel. The question is, did it break his teeth? I was, you know, you, you beat me to it. I, that was, I was waiting for something to show, like, you know, he broke a tooth. You know, trying to bite Cap. That would have been cool if that had been in there. But it, on the other page, it doesn't seem to show anything's broken. The yeah. only one missing teeth is Lord Fallsworth. Later we see yeah, like, but, but I love teeth, so. Bloods. When he's outraged, yeah. he says, Blast you in your accursed protective uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Foiled again. I do think it's, I do think it's funny that uh, Bernie's or not Bernie's, um, Jacqueline, Jacqueline's son, Kenneth, right. Comes, you know, barrel, barreling half barren blood with a, with a lamp, <laughs> with a floor standing lamp. <laughs> no, like that's an antique. Out, you know? Yeah. But that but, is a, that is a stiffle lamp. One of the most uh, expensive and elegant lamps there is out there. Uh, it, you know, it's probably a couple hundred years old and it's, it's a really steadway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've got they've got five more sure. of them in the attic. What does it matter? <laughs> I thought they were going to be introducing this uh, this kid Joey uh, or Kenneth. I thought that they were going to be introducing him as the that's new, what I thought. Um, Union Jack. So I was very surprised when Cap kind of dismisses him and rescues him and catches him that it diminishes him as far as. Uh, you know, his athletic abilities well, and his they, they established I mean, that they were that him and his buddy Joey are both on the wrestling team, so that just but but did yeah, Joey yes. wrestling <laughs> team air quotes? Yeah, um, but uh, Joey's the one who said, "Well, you know, <clears throat> he grew up on the streets, and that's why his mother supposedly didn't like him because he was a commoner. He grew up on the streets, and he was you know he was street tough as opposed to." Uh, you had you had to have laughed though when Kenneth swings the lamp at Baron like Blood and Blood does like a, <laughs> exactly. a side shimmy. Yeah, like yeah. a <laughs> dance, like <laughs> give me. Yeah. Well, if it was a wooden lamp, then he could use it as a stake. 
See, and I thought that. that's what he was going to do. Maybe that was, yeah, because it's... Well, it at this point, does he brains. think... Yeah, that's true. He just thinks he's an intruder. He may not know that he's an actual vampire. He just thinks he's somebody that's attacking Cap and and Cap's... <laughs> this guy screams vampire. Well, I know, but they said they said earlier they thought that the guy that was uh, that when, they, when the, the slasher they think it's a guy that's just crazy who thinks he's a vampire. It's not an actual vampire, you know. Yeah, I, I'm sure Kenneth has heard the stories from his mom about her exploits in World War II and all of that stuff. So he he probably realizes this is uh, barren blood. And I think he's probably thinking, oh, my God, it really is true. There is a barren blood, or at least some somebody who thinks he is. So. The, di- the dialogue on this page just killed me. I'm sorry. You know, you get you got old man Withers there. <laughs> oh, blood, it's me. You really watch. You know it. And then if his barren blood responds back, but of course, dear brother. <laughs> you know, like, well, I do love barren like blood's dialogue. Um because he yeah. speaks of himself in the third person. Just or must die eventually. I love your voice work. Have you considered being a cartoon artist? <laughs> yeah. That's just the voices in my head. Yeah. Oh, there we All go. Right. Now, as I look at the uh, the character of um, Joey. Mm-hmm. And he's less reminding me of uh, Sean Bean and more reminding me of Guy Pierce. Uh, played Peter Wayland in Prometheus, and he also played um, the character in Iron Man Three, the, played, uh, the bad the, guy. Not the, not the true Mandarin, or the. Yeah, I can't remember what what the, what the character's name was in he's Iron too... Man Three. Looks like, yeah, he looks like Banshee to me, and he's also got a very punchable <laughs> face. Which which is what uh, Cap does when he tries to. Uh... Well, he tries to get out of you know. He's yeah. got more experience. You've got. <laughs> That's his superpower. He influences people to punch him. That's his superpower. <laughs> yeah, Aldrich Killian yeah. is who he played in. Uh, he takes guff from somebody because I got the better part of me education in the streets, <laughs> and I don't take guff from anybody. Yeah, all we need. But is then, a he gets a, a then he gets explained to. <laughs> yeah, he gets an education from then American gets... ass. Then we it gets explained get, to. We did we get, get a, the the police officer saying "core" early in in the first issue, but we didn't get a full "core blimey." No, we do get a lot of, and we didn't talk about it. But in the first issue, they get this the the back in Brooklyn, the uh, the the liquor store owner. I'm assuming it was a heavy German accent that he was it was written. That's what I thought, but then right. I also but he like kept, it was yeah, Russian. I couldn't tell. It was uh, it was some kind of a generic immigrant accent, I guess, but. That was the most amazing thing I ever see. That no, that's Russian. Uh, Russian. Russian yeah, I hear a lot of. English. What's funny is Vegas yeah, is know. full of Russians. <laughs> I hear, we hear the Russian. We go out to dog parks and other places. We hear the Russian accent all the time. That's all Russian mob. I, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have a. Right. I'm sure they have a, a presence here. But shh. So now we get two pages of history. And this is going to fill in a lot of your gaps about who Baron Blood is, how Spitfire came about, <laughs> and some more great uh, panels uh, by Byrne that I just think are amazing. Like, well, these are all Frank Robbins' reproductions, is is what they are. Just like you know, what he did in X Men One Thirty Eight was reproductions of all the the previous X Men artists. He's doing reproductions of the Invaders stuff. 
Is, is this story told, John? Is this story yeah, told of they're, him they're, finding Dracula and all that? Is that told in the Invaders? That was um, like Gene Colan, though. I don't remember exactly if that those those images are from the Invaders back then, but I know that uh, you know when we get to the other page, you know these th- those are stories from uh, like Invaders mm-hmm. six through nine or twelve or something like that. That's all part of the the stuff where he shows up uh, he, and he really, <laughs> and even in the invaders, uh, like in the top pa- panel there where um, he shows up uh, with the, the butterfly net and whatnot. Um, he really <laughs> is like, oh, jolly, oh, good job. Kind of dialogue, you know, all of the, all, all of the very extreme Britishisms um, he, <laughs> he always said. So, <laughs> And I always thought uh, if uh, this was ever voiced, Steve Lacey from uh, over there from the Fantastic <laughs> Cast would yes. his voice is always in my head for well, this. He looks guy. a little bit like Hugh Grant. I don't know why, but that's what kind of the that's what I'm getting from him. I don't oh, know if yeah. Hugh Grant could play yeah. a vicious vampire or not, but it's the fluttering eyes. Well, he's got a, he's, there he's rocking a pretty killer monocle too. Yeah, yep. indeed, indeed. I was wondering if the footnotes uh, from these panels that would have said of you know invaders three invaders five invaders six whatever i wondered if they had been removed or if they were ever there we did have one a couple pages ago that said see invaders nine uh, no when it was talking about the experiments that gave blood um to daylight some immunity against the sun yeah it doesn't kill him but he he is not as strong in this daylight but um he still can't go right. out in it. So yeah, it says something yeah. about right. he can survive well, a half an hour. You know, that's kind of from if you've read Dracula, he can. As Dracula, he didn't die in sunlight. His his powers were just greatly diminished. But I got a question. Oh, the next page. Oh, I was just well, I was going to ask because it kind of gets ahead. into the next page where he's you know he makes it back to his house and he takes and he puts on his <laughs> puts on his, puts his John, John Byrne mask John on and, and padding to make <laughs> himself look fatter. I guess. Oh, I, I see it in a chair there. It's a big fat yeah. suit. Um, yep. Okay, so he's got what he's been doing. He, he explains this. He's been, you know, this woman comes over and he's basically treating these women or or men maybe too, and basically saying you're anemic, you know. And he's basically siphoning them off a little bit so him to survive. So what made him suddenly start killing people? Because in the beginning, I said it's 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 like the third victim in a month. He says later on, I gave in to my basic instincts recently. And he says, but at least I killed them first before I drank the blood. Therefore, they don't become vampires. Yeah. Because he's, he's been yeah, out he's just on been the loose for 12 years. People as his doctor. Yeah. Um, of course, if the interview the vampire teaches us anything, you can't drink dead blood. So. Yeah, right. Yep. It's true. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. That's right. I do it's like the, the shot at the very bottom of that next page where Cap's just like poking his head in everybody's attic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Nobody here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see the only person who gets to search. <laughs> there should have been a massive search. Well, maybe that's what they're implying. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't know how big the town is. You know, is it a few thousand, ten thousand? You know. Do you, do you know how much that rocking horse he is? The worth one that's got that jaunty hat on it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I want to know who the uh, the crew of specially trained law officers scour the caves at the edge of the Farnsworth estate. 
are these specially trained in spelunking or specially trained in killing vampires? Because one of them is carrying a cross. Yeah, carry a cross, yeah. Only place well, I've seen a cross. They do have a history in England it's of true. vampires, so... True. Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, the, there know. is a special division, vampire division. Yeah, I have just another career path. A, yeah, exactly. This was a nod to uh, Wayne Manor and the cave underneath. Could be. There's a mention of caves at the edge. They are searching for a Batman. Story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Every every manor has a cave system. A Batman who looks more it's like true. Man Bat. Yeah, on the next page, we get the. Again, I watch too much stuff and read too much, you know. When she goes down, you know, with the, oh, and he's like, Jenny! <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to read whatever it is up on the the board is in the establishing shot inside the bar. Does that say football trains? Uh, yep. In my oversized omnibus, yes, it yeah. says football trains. Is it just me, or does she, in the second panel, she looks quite youthful, but then in the bottom right... She does she look a little older, yeah. Like Major older. Barrett. Yeah. She, she looks like Major yeah, Barrett. She does, yeah. Oh, she well, this does. is another trope, when you see this films, mm-hmm. uh, probably mostly in films, it's the bite marks. You know, the vampires, you know, nobody ever notices yep. these bite marks until somebody falls and they're like, they look closer. Like, no, these are pretty obvious. Well, she was wearing the choker. She was she's wearing. wearing it wouldn't cover up that up. much. It's not yeah. like she's wearing a high, a high, a high collar, you know. But still, that's the tropes. Like nobody notices them until, hey, what are these little marks? She was hiding it on purpose. Yeah. If, if you can, if if you just take your hand and cover the dialogue boxes in that second middle panel, <laughs> that is not a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of airplane where he's like shaking them and slapping them. <laughs> Wake up. Yeah. Wake up. Calm down. I, I always like the, the vampire where, you know, they bite them, but then they, get, you know, do the, the the tooth bite on themselves to their finger, and then they dribble a little blood on the bite marks to heal them up. I've never seen that. Because it's always a dead giveaway, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a common trope, yeah. You know, it's like, well, and what's odd to me about this is, why does she not bring up the fact that she's got these two bite marks? You know, on her neck. He intent. Well, it's all part he's of. He's getting hypnotized. To, hypnotized to, 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 to so she doesn't see yeah. him. Yeah, he's. There you go. I would think no prize. Uh, here's our f- move on to uh, Lord Falls. We're thinking he's gonna lure. <laughs> he's got his well, costume well, on. Before you Wait, do that, you let's talk take a look scene. at. Uh, this this scene with Bernie with Bernie and the lady. This one really bugs me. Not there. There's two images. The the middle left panel where Bernie's talking to her and the lady's looking off, and her eyes are so freaking big. It <laughs> it's bugs me. Anime style. <laughs> yeah, and then the bottom panel of Bernie, her eyes are off center. Right. Hey guys. It's just really creepy. <laughs> Maybe it's Baron Blood masquerading as the house. <laughs> it's a bit like a younger Agatha Harkness. It's just a bad man. Um, well, in the center panel where she's at the phone and, you know, she says, you know, hello, Steve Rogers residence, blah, blah, blah. At the bottom, she says, no, just a friend. I wanted that to be like, she said that the gritting teeth, you know, she's really upset that she's just a friend. Yeah, they should have icicles around it. 
But in all reality, though, she she's only known him for a few days. I mean, although she, you know, she already has weeks, the key. Maybe. She's cleaning the apartment. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's looking around for stuff. She's trying to you know figure things. And of course, it's interesting. You've got the "I Want You" poster. You've got the American Seal with the with the eagle on the lampshade in his apartment. You know, he's really not trying to hide anything nope. there. Well, I just. He did, just a fan he did miss out on that sweet plumbing ad job that he, uh, he was going to get offered. So, yeah. It wasn't like, going to pay that well. The boss wears a digital watch. I think I, I like <laughs> it. The, 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 the middle panel, if you look on top of the bookshelf, it's one of those old record players with the acrylic cover. I'm yep. surprised he doesn't have the kind with the That's big cool. cone coming out of it, you know? <laughs> That's right. He's listening, listening to his wax records. Yeah. Yeah. Stop that. Oh, that that right there's Tandy. That's Tandy Electronics right there. Whew. All right. Well, we're back in and England. The, the most ridiculous idea ever. Old man's going to put on the costume. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Middle panel of this next page where Lord Fallsworth's sitting there in a wheelchair with his mask in his hands. The edict symbol is on the <laughs> is on that Underneath the Paris the sticker. Next to him. Oh, the travel stickers. The, you got the round with the, the triangle going into it's, it. Isn't that the edict sim- symbol from it, yeah. Star Trek? Sorry, that, that I wonder if that was intentional. I don't know. I think it's just supposed to look like generic because he's got Paris, Cairo, I think, yeah, and Rome. Monaco. I guess what is his Rome? I'm assuming that's yeah. what this, he got the, we're supposed to assume he got this costume out of that trunk. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been tucked yeah. away. Of course, still fits. A little, a little loose. Yeah. But this is the most ridiculous thing ever, right? I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> swing your stumps at him? He's going to be bait. I think you might be a little outmatched. But then but she's got her costume hanging on the inside of her closet door. I mean, I can't Longing see that. My, my geek man costume's hanging on the inside of my door right here. I haven't worn it in years. <laughs> Quick access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and our... our uh, Lord Fallsworth doesn't last very long after getting in the costume. Well, she's the one that works him up. up. She's the one that gives him the heart attack. The... She's yelling at him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My heart. Yeah. And you can see his Union Jack pillow back there. So there we go. Mystery yeah. from the cover solved. Yeah. Collectibles. Yeah. So it was supposed it. to be a cape. He was going to incorporate into the costume and just never got around well, to I, it. Well, I, I do like mm-hmm. the fact that in the next, you know, they've already come up with this ruse because they suspect, I guess, the the doctor that. You think this inspired Star Trek Six? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just see all of a sudden Star Trek's taking over. I don't know why. Yeah, me. Uh, sorry about the mask, but you know he insisted. I'm like. No, take it off. You know, he's an old man. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to examine him with a mask on. But he's not here I to guess. look at his face. He's here to look at his heart. Mm. And listen to his heart. And then we get the, the you know, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you moment where he rips off his costume or his, uh, his John Byrne cosplay mask. That is a, man- a maniacal look on his face and when then... he's slamming the door. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and see, I think he's scarier with right there when he rips rips the mask off, and he doesn't have the stupid headpiece on. He looks but, scarier there. But the the question I have is is that his full actual face? 
Yes. Or down below, you see the nose has got that kind of uh, the monkey rat um, thing on it, that, like we see on Morbius full, as well. Uh, I, uh, is that his actual nose? No, I think that, that's what I'm saying. Something? I think it, it, see, if he, when he first takes the mask off, he looks just like a regular guy with fangs. Below it, when he's got his cowl on, mm-hmm. he when he transforms, he must his nose must become more bat-like because I think he when obviously. So if if you're offered the immortality of a vampire like blood and, and Morbius, uh, are, you know, do you really want to go through that and lose your nose? Well, he can switch back and forth because obviously when he was pretending to be his his grandson, he wasn't wearing yeah. a mask. He was just the regular guy. Right. And, and it's not like you're going to see yourself in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I caught, scary I caught face. that. Scary face. Brian. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... I caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really mm-hmm. focusing on the wrong things here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't understand quite understand that. Yeah, I think Tim's explanation is probably the best that yes. you know, if he's just walking around trying to be low key, you know, he just obviously he doesn't look normal because he's got glowing <laughs> red eyes and huge fangs. But the more he vamps out, I guess he must m- yeah. more turn bat like. When we get into a really uh, the fight scene leading yep. up, so um, he does pretty good. This guy for not being professionally trained to fight. And I have to say, I did think it was the old man um, <laughs> swinging his dead legs at him <laughs> for a second. I, I didn't. I, I mean, when I saw his face in the mask, when even though he had that kind of scared look, yeah, I said, "Nah, that's not the old man. That's that's someone much or younger." He tricks him into monologuing too. I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Love I thought it was. Them. I thought it was a son. I didn't do. think it was Joey. I thought it was a son dressed up. Yeah, and that made sense. I do like the the image of Baron Blood. You know, when when Union Jack swing kicks out of the bed, and then you see Baron Blood uh, lifting that whole bedroom suite, which is really cool, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 way he's got him shaded, in like all black except for the midsection and the wings. That that is really just, just really really cool. I don't I don't want to sound like Chris Farley here, but that's so awesome. Destroy more antiques. Remember that time? Yeah. Remember that time you threw that bet set at me? That was awesome. And I love that's the badam. That's got to make an awful lot of noise that he's picking that up and throwing it. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, I mean, you're it's like, page, oh, I heard your gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, that wasn't the bedroom set slamming against the wall <laughs> yeah it's really though a cool effect if you look at baron blood in the first panel there's cap smashing through the door and blood is swiping away the gun that union jack has look at it at the full body position of blood the way his arm is bent back the way his cape you know the the underarm uh, wings are flayed about on the one side and you know limp on the other it's just you know on the part of burn Looking at the anatomy and coming up with that, well, it's very really took a lot of thought. It's, it's like his yeah. his, his sidestep yeah, from very the uh, previous issue. But <laughs> yeah, you're not going to see you know something this kind of position done by many artists. You know, maybe Gil Kane. But I thought it was kind of a, a flippant thing too to the obviously not the old man Union Jack. You know, because he just kind of slaps the gun out of his hand. You know, like like yep. But then Cap and uh, Union Jack working together. Crikey, what a kick! 
Yeah, and could you imagine, by the way, getting punched in the face by Captain America while simultaneously being hit in your back? <laughs> that would hurt a lot. Most. You would think. <laughs> All in a day's work for a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I just want my revenge. I like the bottom panel where he's like crawling over Union <laughs> Jack to get away. <laughs> and, you know, and Union Jack is just bent way over backwards. It's like, oh my. <laughs> I would be doing more than an oomph. I'd be like, wow. Now I'm crippled like my father. Yeah. <laughs> and his father before him and his father. It's a long-standing tradition of all of the Union Jacks to be crippled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> now, uh, on the next page, is Baron Blood's flying and trying to get away. Uh, Cap throws his shield, it hits him in the gut, and then you see the, the, the shield, I guess, magically coming back to Cap. Again with the gut hit. Yeah. The mid-chest hit. All the, now, is that like a Zipatone, or is that just Argle Bargle on the floor? I thought it was Argle Bargle. That's an amazing a lot, amount. I think it must be, it looks like circles, but I think it would be too hard for him to draw all those tiny little circles. Man. It and not just on so that long. page, but on the or panel, but the other three panels. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's yeah, it's it's shown everywhere. does that sometimes for for carpet or sometimes to do like he's like a sweater or something. He'll do almost like a scribbly line to kind of represent. I'd like to but, see the pencil pages of this. Yeah, because this that, that floor pattern is yeah through on a couple of pages, so that would be a heck of a lot to just draw each each time, <laughs> no matter how fast you are. Hmm. But anyway, well, some good course. some good compositions of the fight, um, mm-hmm. and then, and then we get, of course, in, courtesy in every vampire movie, the ripping open of the curtains to reveal yep. the morning sun. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see Christopher Lee, and uh, them pulling that back open, and then staking him through the heart and sticking him up on the wall. I don't remember which Dracula that was. Yeah. But probably, you know, it was one of the the Hammer films. But that's what well, I always think of when I you would think that. you would think if you're a vampire, John, that would be like the number one thing you would be acutely aware of. Timing, yeah, yeah, what time it is? Yeah. Okay, Google set an alarm for. Oh. <laughs> right. What time? Oh, they don't sunrise? have that. They don't. Well, have it's that. the same if you ever watch any vampire film, and I complain about this all the time. They're they're gonna go. Okay, we're gonna go out and hunt the vampire. They always wait till it's about four thirty, five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, no, no, eight o'clock, right. first thing in the morning. Right. Right. Yep. Tim, you know, you know very well that we try to start these shows so early, and it goes on at least an hour before we get to a recordable point. I mean, just you know, imagine <clears> trying to get okay. You bring the steaks, but it's not you, like you know, oh, the sun sets in half an hour. Let's go water now. I mean, come on. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things about that is, one, he doesn't vaporize in the sun, and he knows that, so that's okay. And I think he probably must have forgotten that Cap was there because he thought he would be able to kill his brother or turn his brother uh, rather quickly, or else he just assumed that he would have the time alone to be able to do the deed and then uh, escape out a window, which is probably why he was not so concerned about the timing. Uh, Or the fight... I was going to say, or the fight went on for a heck of a lot longer <laughs> than the few panels indicate. He said, you've made a grievous error. This is not the light of a rising sun, but that of a setting one. So I guess he knows mm-hmm. that it's, the sunlight's getting weaker and weaker. Oh, 
And it's, um, he says, soon it'll be twilight, and, and until then I can endure the pain. So, Oh. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Pointed boots. Yeah. I don't know what uh, Baron Blood has done to get those elfin-like points on his uh, on his shoes. <laughs> he went to the same costumer as the tarantula. Yep. Yeah. Remember Spider-Man's villain, the tarantula? He had those pointed boots. And you know that 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 fateful page where he's ripping at Cap's costume, and Cap's got him in half guard. Nice little MMA turn there. Uh, prepared to do some ground and pound, but <laughs> those those three panels where they close in on Cap's face um, and the detail that's put into each one of them, uh, the shadow and relief around the eyes on Cap, and then as you get in to that last panel where you can see just every line and crevice on his face as he's gritting, realizing what he has to do. I thought those were incredibly powerful panels, but I've always questioned the coloring choice on them you know because it make, gives him kind of a, a mustard I think it's just to make it seem a little more dire because it's like him. the color is <clears throat> kind of draining yeah or like it's it's getting dark enough that, that we're getting into trouble the close up of yeah he has to do it before right, <clears throat> right. the full strength returns to the last panel there's a, a really strong shadow on the wall behind, uh, behind Union Jack. Jack. So he, he's rushing against time. Yeah. Especially this time of year. If you've ever noticed, the last half hour, the sunlight on a clear day is incredibly golden. It's not um, anywhere near the same as midday. Because it's going through all that atmosphere. And it only yeah. lasts a short period of time. Photographers yep. refer to it as the golden hour. Yeah. Now, that that infamous scene where he does sever his head, I, you know, I, I I love the fact that you, know, you and Jack saying bloody, and then you see the sound effect, Chuck. And <laughs> bloody Chuck is going to be my new curse phrase um, here around the house. So uh, anything bad happens, I'm going to be saying bloody Chuck out loud. And I'll do it with a British accent. Bloody Chuck! There you go. And then there's your speed lines wow. on the shadow. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you have to you have to have that in there, otherwise, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're gonna get a sense of what he's not doing. But, I've... but I think it's interesting that that an artist would sit there and question something like that. I mean, again, you know, it shows that Joe Rubenstein's sitting there, not just you know, he's thinking about all the angles, he's thinking about every aspect of it. And when he's actually questioning something like that, it's kind of kind of interesting. Though it does make Cap the 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 outline of Cap makes him look more like Daredevil than Cap. Because it looks like yeah. points coming up rather than the wings on his uh, wingtips. So while, while, you guys were t- <clears throat> while you were talking, I was trying to find out, you know, so how powerful is Blood, even though I hate his costume? he's His strength is rated at a four in his powers and abilities. It says he class uh, him at 1,500 pounds. That's yeah. actually stronger than Captain America. Which I Yeah, but thought. Cap had leverage. Uh, well, and that's know. it. Cap's fighting skill is a six, whereas Baron Blood is rated at a three. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta look at the book of the Plus it's, for that one, don't and, I? And remember, it's daylight, so he's weakened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's saying that uh, C- Captain America can consistently uh, sustain lifts of eight hundred pounds, so he's considerably 
you know, I don't want to say weaker, but not as strong as Baron Blood, I guess, at his peak, which would make this a, a hard fight for Cat. Not considered to have superhuman strength. He just has the peak human strength, like the strongest human right. that would be Cap, but, you know, which is yeah. something obviously changed in the film because in that he seems to have um, superhuman strength. Well, they powered him up and powered the well, whole Well, Cap has often beat villains yeah. that are they, stronger than him because of his, you know, his... Right, and, the ability and to just give his, up. you know, his technique and his, you know... Strategy. Well, you've got a master tactician. Look it up in an Ohatmu, but you're looking for the wrong volume. You don't want the Book of the Dead, you want the Book of the Undead. <laughs> right, I'll show myself out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. In, uh, Ohatmu actually had saying that Cap could lift a maximum of 800 pounds with supreme effort. I think that's that's really selling him short. Now, of course, we watched him in the MCU, and he was able to handle a lot more than that. Uh, they definitely raised the, the strength level a lot higher there. And frankly, I find that, you know, I, I found how they handled Cap in the movies to be really, really, really good. Yeah, no, I didn't yeah. have any trouble with it. Um, yeah, again, you know, with, with uh, Baron Blood, I don't think he, he would want to exert himself that much. <laughs> right. Oh, well, man. <clears throat> That's funny. They they um, we... yeah, they they show all the cap. Uh, they have the one burn cap image of of uh, well two images. They got him cutting his head off, and it's a different angle. And then um, they've got the uh, the image from the cover of, of of Baron Blood on cap with uh, Lord Fallsworth in the wheelchair. But the other images they have is the the original images is, is Alan Davis. It looks like. And uh, Frank Robbins uh, in there. And it's, it's funny because, you know, usually Ohatmu is like always as much burn as they can throw in those things. Right. And I didn't know Alan Davis had done any any barren blood art. So that was uh, that's interesting. Ooh, cool. Anyway, I'll shut yeah. up now. And we get, you know, again, another trope, you know, which is mm -hmm. too bad for the original Union Jack. Right. You know, that he, he dies with the, you know, kind of the stereotypical you know my work is done and i will well, how long has he been dead because they wheel him out in the wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> that's so cold when they Take when they burn the body when they burn that's the body, when he dies that's when he so, died yeah that's yeah, you you have to released. accept that that's when he died once he was 100 percent sure wait a minute we're talking about two different characters here lord fallsworth lord fallsworth died yeah, when guy. they burned the body when yes. they burn, when they burn Baron Blood's body, you yes. see, you see the fire there in Cap, and all of them are standing there. The next panel, you know, uh, they're saying, "Yes, done, Grandfather Baron Blood will never threaten anyone again." And Lady Fallsworth says, "Did you hear Kenneth, uh, Father?" Kenneth said, and Cap's like, "I'm afraid he can't hear you, Jackie." What? Oh, Cap, he must have gone. It must have been his heart. It finally gave out. He was a good man, Jackie, the best. And he went to his reward, knowing that his brother's evil oh. had been overcome at last. Well, we Sorry. already have these funeral pyres going. Let's just throw them on here. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> brothers were more linked than anybody realized. Oh yeah. my God. Well, I mean, now reading the story wasn't wasn't part of Blood's, uh, you know, it, it, motive was to to kill Lord Fallsworth so he could inherit yeah. the the land. Yeah. Well, but but in this, he, but yeah. 
Could you imagine how bad that smells, by the way? They're burning an undead vampire. Ugh. They're burning his bones because it looked evaporated. like he pretty much evaporated. But when, yeah. But you put you put garlic on there, and, you know. And is it made? Does it look like it's it's snowed? Does it look like they're in snow? So I'm assuming that's yeah. somewhere on the Farnsworth yeah. estate. Their their vest estate. Yeah, just past the just past the caves. <laughs> you know the burning. All right, area. take him out to the pyre yeah. field. Come on. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> come, come, children. Let's go burn someone. And then on the final page, we really get a nice image of Union Jack. That was the final yeah, nice splash page. It's really and then nice. a dedication to Frank Roberts. Well, who's going to train the new? Because it, it, this is like, again, a comic trope. But it's like, yeah, you're okay. You've been on the wrestling team. You're athletic. You're in shape. You can be a superhero. And he still has to go through some kind of training, I would think. He's not. Uh, yeah. yeah Captain Britain could. Cap, yeah. Cap could you can hang some, out with Captain know, Britain. Check up on him every, every once in a while, you know. Yeah. Make some introduction. Well, because they said in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first issue, Cap makes a note when he's flying, says, I haven't been to England in a long time. And apparently he was he was going there every, once a year for Bucky's yeah, anniversary. But because he but hadn't he wasn't received, remembering he, anything. He hadn't got his full memory back the- uh, only prior. A couple, he makes a mitts of that. I got all my memory back a couple of issues back. His full memory. But you know, what's funny is that, okay, so the next issue, of course, is the history of Cap. And it's kind of out of continuity. It's just a, a standalone story. And, of course, that is the last issue that, that Stern and Byrne did. The next issue was a filler story done with uh, Gene Colan uh, did the artwork. And it was a Cap and Bucky story from way back in the day. Then the next issue after that has Cap taking a plane and going back to England for, for a different matter altogether. So he's, he's, he's never going to land an advertising job. Back. He keeps he keeps leaving like that. Oh no, no no no! You mean the the extra pages at the end, the silent ones? No no, uh, I'm actually talking uh, two fifty what seven? Oh okay. Or, yeah, issue issue. Let me let me pull that back up real quick because yeah, I was looking at that earlier. Train. I just misunderstood no. what you were. No, there's a uh, in the cover of two fifty seven in London lurks the Hulk. And wait till you see the gruesome gamma droid. And it's a story by Mike, Mike W. Barr. And it's got uh, Lee Elias on pencils and many hands as the anchors. And uh, the, the opening shot is Banner being kidnapped. But after that, it's Cap getting off of a plane in his Captain America regalia. Uh, just off of a regular commuter plane coming into England. And that. Uh, the stewardess and the pilot talk about how Cap's not stuffy at all, but a nice, warm, sensitive person. But yeah, he'd taken a trip there for a different matter altogether. Could he sit with, in an airplane seat with a chainmail on? Apparently he does. And his shield, too. And she. Well, again, you know, all he'd like, have to do, like he did in this story here, when he got off the airplane, he's going through customs. All he did was a flash his Avengers priority badge, and they let him hmm. right through without a search or anything. Right. You think it's and, just part of training? Right. Like, and uh, here yeah, he is getting off the with plane. Avengers badge, just let him go. Yeah, here they get off the plane on the tarmac. So he probably just hopped in the I car. Think he has to put that the shield What's in the like? overhead bin. I'm sorry, sir. I won't fit under your seat. You're going to have to put it in the overhead. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. He holds it like there. a bowl, and that's where they put the hot towel. 
Well, and by this time, he doesn't need to be stealthy. He, yeah, he why doesn't, doesn't he just take the Quinjet instead of America, this, but... why fly commercial? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, think, I think the answer is in, in the credit here. Uh, Brian says that it's a many hands project. That they were rushing it because Byrne and Stern walked. So somebody who didn't know the storyline... Well, we yeah, like, I mean, 256 really is obviously a filler story because it is it, it, it goes back to World War II. And uh, it was written by, let's see, Bill Mantlo and Gene Colan and uh, looks like Sam Simons and Al Milgram did the, uh, and Frank Giacoya did the inks. But this is the, the fill-in story they planned to put in all along. That was one of the reasons that Roger Stern left the book. Um, it's beautiful, though, if you guys get, uh, get a chance to look at it. Gene Colan doing Captain America in the 40s in England. Um is is good and you've got to, of course be a fan of gene colin's art um and I've, I've always liked his art i feel that he's better on stuff like this a nice gothic tale rather than um you know seeing him do the avengers two yeah 258 yeah but 259 was that doc ox story that was a, a nice little one shot um that i that i enjoyed where cap gets that nice motorcycle you know for telling that kid to go see his father but um yeah, and and at two fifty eight, you know, Zek does pencils and inks. He does all the art, <sighs> but Chris Claremont helped write the script on that. He, uh, him, and David McLaney uh, split up the plot. <laughs> that, and script. that was smooth. What? What do you say? <laughs> Just like that about do it, right? <laughs> well, we have gone over a couple hours here, um, but 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 again, yeah, we've done a pretty good. good. We, of course, would like to know what all of you are thinking. Uh, we've talked about getting some feedback from you. Please write us one way or the other. You know, our email address at gotta get burned at gmail.com or on the Third Degree Burn Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, or leave us a five-star review at, at uh, Apple Podcast, otherwise known as iTunes. Yeah, we need, uh, we need those podcast reviews on iTunes. Uh, we do. We do. It's it, dreadfully it must- low. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's what you know gives us more exposure out there. It's what allows people to, to hit up our relatives. And come see us. Go on to iTunes. Let me show you how to do it. Put five stars. <laughs> and the quicker you write in, the quicker Brian will stop begging. So, um. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not gonna stop begging because I mean, you know, we want feedback every episode. We'd like to know what you know what people want us to cover. And you know, here we are at the end of. Of uh, the Halloween Scaretacular. I don't know if we're going to do another. Uh, for uh, So yeah. while you're at home doing virtual Halloween or however we're going to do it this year. Or as you're firing candy across the street to the kids. Uh, you've got something to listen to. Yeah. Candy oh, you cannon. bought the candy gun? That's candy <laughs> cannon. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> what did they do? Did they just repurpose t-shirt cannons? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just put an extra uh, drain gutter from our front porch down to the street level. We're just <laughs> dropping the candy right down the chute. You know, at, coming up to, to our <laughs> porch, man. We're going to fight them off. This this year is actually a a, 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 a very sorrow somber event for us. Uh, typically, every year at Halloween, um, last six years we've been serving hot dogs and bottled water and everything to like the parents. And, you know, when we started uh, doing this, I mean, every year we were getting maybe, you know, 20, maybe 30 trick-or-treaters throughout the throughout the evening, you know, three-hour period. 
And once we started doing the hot dogs, word got around and we were getting just, uh, we, we would give out about 150 hot dogs in a night. And, you know, everybody just loved it. And we got to meet so many people, so many of our neighbors, you know, they come over and introduce themselves and it was really a great event. But now with the, the, the pandemic, you know, we decided that we weren't going to do the hot dogs this year and everybody's like really disappointed. They were looking forward to it. So yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm bummed on that. We're still going to go ahead and give out candy and I've filled up the beer buddy with candy, probably more than, you know, I, I'm sure we're not going to get as many trick-or-treaters as we typically had. I think you'll be surprised. Trick or treating is obviously with two two small kids. You know, it's <laughs> high on their list of you know things to do every year. And so I I read quite a bit about whether it was safe. And from most accounts, um, it's a super spreader event. No, it's not. The kid the kids will be will be safe, assuming you take you know the normal precautions that you would. You know, no lingering at the door. You know, they recommend that if you're going to give out candy, set it up on a table or something where they can come up and get it themselves, right? You're not getting too close. And then the the kids wear masks, of course. And then, you know, most of the costumes, if they don't already have gloves or a mask, yeah. right, you mask mm-hmm. them up again. Um, so we, we plan it's... to do what we normally do. I give out comic books and candy. Bravo. So, That's awesome. That is awesome. I was bring that up. 30 years ago, I gave away like quarter bin box or, you know, 10 cent box comics that I no longer wanted uh, one to each person. And the word spreads through the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and each year more and more kids come by. And then the older ones go, Oh, I remember this house. Yeah. You gave away some last year. I got my copy of Spidey number 125. And you know, it really generates. That, that was Spidey Super Stories 125. I hope you're not putting out, giving away away amazing Spider-Man 125. I'm coming to Kirk's house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe that was Marvel no kidding I'm, a, I'm coming to Dave's house tree, you know? hey, Dave's giving out books too a lot of goodwill and it helps to seed the next generation of that's what I'm trying to do and kids still love them you know all right well, that sounds good I, again you know it'll be interesting to see how things turn out that's a, a week from today so you know we're, usually I've got to spend the days leading up to it preparing everything so that we can do it and you know, and I've taken the time off, and now I'm just going to be like, yeah, sitting around with my thumb up. My nope, butt. no COVID dogs for you. Do. Uh, Read comic books. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah Brian. Don't worry, I'll Brian's really disappointed. He doesn't get to handle all that beat. I will wash my thumb before the trick or treaters get here. Hey, phrasing. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I'm going to uh, imitate Andrew, but then I'm going to ask a question. Next time on an all-new episode of Third Degree Burn, what are we covering? Are we going to go do uh, the the most recent two issues of Elseman? And and this current one should be finishing this week. Final thoughts. Uh, one, I want to thank John. This is a this is a great story to do. Um, it was a lot of fun to read. So uh, yeah. good suggestion. Um, Thanks. And just you know, keep sending your cards and letter or start sending your cards and letters in. Uh, we also accept cash. Um, Small unmarked bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, non-essential, non-sequential. Uh, <laughs> and and we will we will tell you right now, vote. If you haven't voted, get out and vote. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I'd like to influence that, but I'm not going to try here. It's not not that platform. Get out and vote, though. It's important. Likewise. 
Yeah, yeah. vote early, vote often. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Trump says you should send in your mail-in ballot and go vote in person. Which I think is illegal, by the way, so please don't do yes, that. Yes, it is. I don't think we have anything else, so uh, why don't... Um, Brian, why don't you take us out? I brought us in. Okay, I'll take us out. There you See go. how professional we are? Just trying to be, you know, equitable <laughs> all around. Uh, for one, uh, Once again, I'd like to thank everybody for... If you've downloaded and listened this far, thank you. Uh, sending you cards and letters, we want feedback. Uh, and on behalf of Third Degree Burnt, I am Tim Elliott. I'm Brian Hughes. Sean Hyatt or Greenfield? Aaron Glad out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rear is Fetal Bomb. Tally-ho, <laughs> chaps. Have you ever seen a vampire? No. Well, first of all, they're not romantic, all right? It's not like they're a bunch of hopping around in rented formal wear and seducing everybody in sight with cheesy Euro trash accents, all right? Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn into bats, crosses don't work, Garlic? Want to try garlic? You stand there with garlic around your neck. One of these will bend you over and take a walk up your strata chocolata while he's sucking the blood out of your neck, all right? And they don't sleep in coffins lined in taffeta. You want to kill one? You drive a wooden stake right through his heart. Sunlight turns them into crispy critters. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.